Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What Are You Doing Movie? Go ahead and pop in your DVD or blurry of Psycho. Press play and press pause when a Paramount release fades to black. At the first frame, you perceive a ball black. Press pause. And in a second, I'll say three, two, one, unpause. At which point, I'll press play. You'll press play and we'll watch the movie together in sync. It'll be like any other commentary except, of course, with four friends in your head. And those friends speak are myself, as always, T. Christie, my friend Brian, William Fenifter. Greetings. Alex Ruger, music. Hi. And Trey, the Amazing Stokes. Coming mother. Oh, man. Psycho. It's some good stuff, man. I'm excited about this one because we, we, we did Vertigo uh, and this is the other of the, I, th- I think of Vertigo and Psycho as being the two really big Hitchcock movies and then there's North by Birds, Northwest baby. there's Birds Rear and North window. by Northwest and Rear Window and all those but for me Psycho and Vertigo Family Plot man yeah I, I need to see Family Plot again. That'll be a very interesting. I, I actually had to walk out on Family Plot. They Newbev did a double feature of Rear Window which is my favorite Hitchcock and Family Plot and I watched Rear Window and Family mm. Plot started. I'd never seen it before and I went, you know what? It's too late. I can't. I, I gotta go home. <laughs> you noped the fuck out. I noped out of Family Plot. No, man. I love, I, and I hadn't seen uh, any Hitchcock until about a year ago and I was at Fry's and they had like a big box set Blu-ray of like 20 different Hitchcock movies that have all been remastered for Blu-ray. I was like, okay yes i'll buy that and then i went home and just started watching hitchcock movies and i really liked psycho man and it's it's the thing about psycho that sticks with you is is anthony perkins and how just he seems out of time like everyone else in this movie seems sort of stagey and 1960-ish and then he just sort of seems like that could be happening this second like that's he he just reads as not very 1960s movie he reads as like modern and fresh Mm -hmm. and he doesn't seem like you're separated by the time for him you are for everyone else and then it's just like he is and the the effect that that has on me whether or not you know death of the director and all that shit but the reason that bothers me is like there i feel like i'm separated and safely distant from all the things that happen in the movie psycho except for fucking (laughs) norman bates who's like he's right here he was putting me right in yeah and i believe in preparation for this, I was doing some wiki stuff and just trying to find out this, that, and the other and learn more about Anthony Perkins. And I found out, and I didn't know this, that there's a fucking Psycho 2, a Psycho 3, <laughs> a Psycho 4, and then there's like a TV show and a whole bunch of other shit too. And Anthony Perkins played Norman Bates in all of them, except for the TV show. He, he died before that happened. But like, there's a Psycho 4 and he's playing Norman Bates in it. So, after I watched Psycho last night to catch up, I found out at like 10.30, it's like, there's a Psycho 2, this is happening, and I went onto Amazon and I watched Psycho 2, and I was, uh, we'll talk about Psycho 2, because I figured no one else has seen it, it's awesome. Yeah, no. But uh, Psycho is 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 cool, and it's it's weird to watch it uh, with modern eyes, because the, the initial intention that the guy had when he was writing the book, or she, I don't know who wrote the book, the person who wrote the book, wanted to keep Robert introducing Block. Block, that's right, yeah. so it was a guy kept introducing new protagonists just to have them die over and over again throughout the book because they wanted he wanted you to get comfortable with the protagonist and then be dispirited and surprised when they kept dying. What was known Game at the time Thrones. as the Whedon effect. <laughs> yes. It was pre, it's pre-Whedon-esque. It was the George R.R. R. Martin someday. Yes. <laughs> and the weird sort of fallout of that is in the movie, the shit that you remember about Psycho doesn't happen until well into Psycho and ends... Before the yeah. end of Psycho. Yeah. There's a whole Everything thing. you think of as Psycho is the first act of Psycho. Yeah, yeah. It's like the last part of the first act of Psycho. But I like this movie a lot. Uh, it's not quite as pretty as Vertigo is, but it's still a very striking looking movie. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about it because I, I don't even know why I like Psycho so much. I hadn't seen it until recently. But um, Psycho ends up being one of those classic movies that you're like, oh, thank God. Because you know, there's only so many classic movies you can be like, I don't get it, I don't like it, yeah. no stars. It's, it's like, okay, cool. As long as Hitchcock, I, I yeah. hate all classic movies. Yeah, exactly. I don't like this. Fuck this. I don't like old movies. Anyway, so I'm happy to like Psycho, and I'm excited to talk about it. Brian, uh, I am sure I have I had seen Psycho in its entirety at some point in my life, probably when I was a kid at some point. But it was very much like 
I know I watched this, but other than the stuff that has been lampooned a million times, I don't really remember it. Um, so uh, it was basically coming in, coming into it fresh. Uh, and yeah, like Trey said, it's like we, we were just talking about how I just rewatched Patton on the uh, on the grab bag we did, and it's it's a very similar thing to that. It was like the parts that you remember that that those couple of moments that have also been parodied a thousand times are in like the first 20 minutes of the movie and go, okay, so that's, there's that part. And then what the the hell, what the hell is the rest of this thing about? Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's so hard to, I don't know. I like, like I just said a second ago, my favorite Hitchcock one, the one that holds up to me that I can still really get involved in, uh, is rear window. Psycho is more just like, I have a hard time looking at it as anything other than a historical artifact that it is and go, okay, so this is, you know, this is psycho. This is Psycho, and you know this, this is, is the like, movie with that house. This is the Egyptian vase behind the you know the glass at the museum. And go okay, that's so at the time that's that's <laughs> what it was. That's what the state of the art was. Uh, I I do agree with you that Anthony Perkins's performance like stands uh, out. Was time. was a surprise to me. Like that, I actually believe him in a way that the the rest of the actors. I mean, they're doing perfectly what they're supposed to be doing. Right. But it's it's the style. It was the style, the style at the time. The time. He's just natural. Yeah. Well, he, I but think he's just much more natural. I believe Perkins. You know, and like was he from the Stanislavski? He was. He was. Yeah. yeah he was actor studio guy. Yeah. And so that you know, came out of New York, and all these other folks are, are old hand, you know, Hollywood character actors. So everyone else is playing in the style at the time. Right. Yeah. And Perkins is like playing this like you know i'm a crazy transvestite axe murderer how can i make this real and natural uh, yeah. right. like well, dude what are you doing <laughs> you're a crazy axe murderer why don't you play it like a crazy axe murderer well he's a person right stop you're freaking me out what's funny is i'll bet you at the <laughs> time i'll bet you all the yeah. other actors would have been like maybe maybe people will appreciate how subtle he is it's like all right well 50 60 years later now we're like no, he's normal. Everyone else was fucking huge. What are you guys doing? Are you guys, are you, yeah. The rest of you guys are circus? What's going on exactly. here? Yeah. Like you're vaudeville. I'm anyway, good. Yeah. George Bailey. All right. So, Alex, how do you feel about Psycho? Um, well, and Bernie Herman. It, oh, yeah. Well, I'll, this is I'll more about that, Bernie Herman, yeah, I think. Yeah. Let's talk well, about that. Well, first of all, Psycho is just one of those things that's been in just the public forever. <laughs> it just is. Like every show. Like, I feel it's like, like a pyramid Simpsons, or something. Yeah. yeah, like the Simpsons have done it like eight times you know like yeah like it, it just it's just always been there and for good reason it's just like solid and great there should and be uh, someone someone surely has done the historical what was the first time the site the shower scene was parodied right right it's it <laughs> can't like, have been it's like the matrix <laughs> bullet time scene it was probably on laughing like in 68 yeah, yeah. probably did it you know something like that and also i uh, like like brian was saying like I, I really dig this movie just to see like this is 1960 like this is right Smack dab in the middle of yes. just like I was not perfect, alive. Perfect That's how little, old this movie is. <laughs> little American time, and and it's just, I mean, it's like I you're it's like you're watching a page yeah. out of the history book. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's insane. Um, it, it, it's just so for the time, it was so out of control and just so probably fucking terrifying. I mean, it still is. Um, but Bernard, risque. It's but, a lot of ris- you know, risque and ooh. Yeah, because yeah. this thing's trampled all over the code. Toilets and transvestites. Yeah, are you right, kidding me? Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the thing for me though is Bernard Herman, and I, I am just, uh, I'm a Bernard Herman guy. I love him, and uh, this is one of his best scores. And there, there's a reason that it has been endlessly copied in in the horror genre. Yeah. And uh, you know, like yeah, the shower scene. I mean, it, it seems campy now but it's because nah, it, nah, it invented nah, nah. that yeah i mean yeah. it's no one had done anything even close to that i mean this was a time when 
still it's romantic, a, right? a thing for people to go do for fun was to go to the orchestra. Not nearly what it was, you know. I mean, it it was that thing was still in decline, but I mean, the orchestra was a thing, and he used it as like a weapon. It was just yeah. this clank, <laughs> like that. That was so ridiculous for that time. Um, and uh, and also even just you know the the opening credits music is just brilliant. I have the score to that, and I study that all the time. I always come back to it. It's just brilliantly written music. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. all about it. Yeah. Trace Dukes, when did you see Psycho? I you must have seen it I, like film school. Prob- I haven't seen it before that. At least film school or in some boulderized TV version before that. Yeah, um, I think I was aware of it. I'd seen bits and pieces. I'd caught you know. I I mean, it's I how however I would have absorbed it long before, you know. So long before I ever saw Psycho. I was aware of yeah. the significance of Psycho. I was like, shower scene, it's his mother, we know. Yeah, it's like, you knew all that. And the score, I mean, the score was already, I probably was exposed to a parody or a commentary on Psycho before ever being exposed to the real thing myself. Right. Um, and somehow just retroactively put it together. Like, like I said, so many people, your generation, think the Simpsons did a thing and then realized later, oh, they were doing a thing about a thing. They were doing a riff on something. Um, <laughs> I probably saw a parody of Psycho first and then re- retroactively figured out that it came from a movie that someone had done. Um, <laughs> I think it's I think it's on I think it's Wyatt Cenac. I just saw his stand up special and he has a joke where he's like, I'm not gonna tell my kid about Michael Jackson. I'm just gonna give him a bunch of weird Al CDs. <laughs> and then it's like one day he's gonna be at a party and yeah. he's gonna be like, Who the fuck is this? This sounds an awful lot like eat it. Yeah. <laughs> this black black guy's totally ripping off Weird Al. Just never gonna tell him about, I'm never gonna tell him about Michael Jackson. I'm just gonna tell him about Weird Al and let him figure it out. That's perfect. So yeah, it's it's there's that kind of retroactive like for me I saw a Kentucky Fried movie and then years later I saw Enter the Dragon and was like, Oh, I get it. That's what was happening in a Kentucky Fried movie. They were doing a riff on this. Um sadly, uh it pains me to admit, or you know, it pains you for me to admit. Uh, listening to this, I am already on record in our in our uh, uh, what was it Vertigo that we did last Would year? Would have been yeah yeah. yeah. I'm already last on record. Year. I'm not uh, not uh, not a Hitchcock fan. Not really a Hitchcock fan myself. Have not seen certainly have not seen he you know the guy made a lot of movies and I haven't seen a lot of them, um, but I have seen a fair amount of them. I've certainly seen the ones that you see. Yeah. Um and uh, and I I you know maybe I'm you know. Oh, I'm just so fluffy and, uh, you know, and, and uh, not, not a serious film student. My favorite Hitchcock is North by Northwest. Um, that's the one that works best for me um, because it is kind of a wacky kind of, you know, it's got the suspense, it's got all that, but it's got kind of a weird, lighthearted, zany kind of tone to it as well. And, and Cary Grant is a great, uh, you know, centerpiece for that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Birds, actually more so than, you didn't get Psycho a lot, I will say, Growing up on TV when The Birds was going to be on, that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, oh, my God, The Birds is on at, you know, 11 p.m. tonight on Channel 13. I've got to see that uh, because The Birds was 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 really quite something for me at that age. Um, Psycho was kind of harder to get a hold of. Anyway, I'm not a big I'm not a big uh, Hitchcock fan in general. I don't Psycho doesn't really do a lot for me um most hitchcock doesn't do a lot for me um i at least i'm I'm entertained by north by northwest and that's uh that can't say that about anything else so i'm not really big a big psycho aficionado or anything i have to just put that right out there so official um, psycho yeah i'm not a psycho psycho Hmm. um 
I'm not a fanatic. I'm not a psycho fanatic. And that's just how it is. I just, I just, I think I find Hitchcock very mannered and very film school and very like, yes, I get what you're doing. Yeah. I get it. Everyone over the age of eight gets what you're doing. Yes. Look, she's in a box. Uh, spider web. Right. It just, it seems so obvious and the acting is so stilted. And I'm more curious, like you said, I think the most interesting thing is how did, how did, Perkins get through the usual Hitchcock mill right. of without being told. No, to no, you're huge. not being nearly stagey and theatrical enough, which is sort of the tendency. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, to uh, and and give this weird sort of <laughs> oh my god, he's from the actor studio. <laughs> I'm from the actor studio, and I'm here to not I'm act. Here to act. Yes, or not. Well. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 one of those weird things where Psycho is just indelibly part of the the zeitgeist and has been for a long time. Um, but when you actually peel back the layers and look at the thing itself, you go, really? Is that all it is? Yeah. But uh, somehow it struck a chord, right thing or right time. You're at the point where the a Paramount release card has faded to black, as we are here. If you don't have that on your copy, which seems possible to be, it's right before the movie starts. Three, two, <laughs> one, unpause. <laughs> now, what I like about this opening bit here is that this is just like fucking... This is Bernard Herman and Saul Bass going crazy yeah. and panicking. Yep. That's it's all the sixties right there in one big sack <laughs> yep. for you. Yep. Bernard Herman and Saul Bass having a panic attack yeah. together. Yeah, because it's somewhere <laughs> right now, some the guy who the guy who created oh. Mad Men is being conceived <laughs> while watch yeah. while his parents yeah. watched. Yeah, this, this is his immaculate this. conception. Yeah. But oh I, I love Saul Bass so much and he does all these titles. Uh, and it's amazing. Catch me if you can. Yeah, yeah. And um <laughs> You know, we talked about it on Vertigo too. I just, I, they're so cool and they're so slick. And Hitchcock loved them and used them a million times, and it's just cool. Uh, yep. I, I appreciate the work of Saul Bass because it's such a weird thing to have anyone ever been so good at that they had a name as the guy who does that. Like animation has existed for thirty years, but like it's your job just to do cartoons of words <laughs> so our movies can have that. Yes, <laughs> that's such a in retrospect, it's such a weird specific job that it makes sense to us now. Because now we have we had Saul Bass and built on it for fifty years, and now we have t- title sequences and David Fincher has a career. But like, at the time, it's like, why don't you just put up the text in a card? What are you doing, you fucking psycho? Stop it! Yeah. And yeah, Saul Bass. But it's yeah, just getting true. a credit for it is like you know, because animated credits have been around. Yeah. But the fact that it's enough, like, who did that? Yeah, Saul Bass. We got that guy who yeah. does it really good. Like Richard Edlund, it doesn't have that. A couple years later, of course, the the uh, the flag would be planted that the James Bond films became notorious mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. having these amazing opening credit sequences <laughs> that were animated. Yeah, exactly. Pictorial consultant, Saul yeah, Bass, see, too. That's, a, that's different. Whatever that means. Yeah, I, don't, I have no idea what that means. It's related to a movement designer. Yeah, now, Kat. Yes. Hair, like, when, in, in German, hair means sir, doesn't it? Or mister? Mr. Man. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he's, he's, he's Mr. Man. He's Mr. Man. Basically, Bernard Herman is the music equivalent of Mr. Mister, but back yes. at the time. <clears throat> the man. Yeah. And th- notice the titles don't stop. They're still going to keep doing crazy shit over the establishing. Where now all of a sudden it's like Phoenix. Yeah. By the way, I didn't realize Phoenix existed in 1960. For some reason, I have it in my head that it's like <laughs> Arizona, Arizona was purchased, wasn't a state It was yet. purchased far after that. <laughs> well, in, in my head, yeah. it's like you know Orlando. We're like, sure, there was a yeah. town called Orlando, but nobody gave a shit until well, Disney World. That is true because Orlando at the time was orange groves and a shack. Exactly. Uh, For some Orlando reason, Phoenix is in my, in my head the same way. It's like, wasn't it? Like L.A. and Chinatown. It wasn't a thing until old people started moving there in 1990 yeah. or whatever. This Phoenix looks suspiciously like Los Angeles, but I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so weird. These weird cuts and, and shit. And the Dahlians. And and that's what we were talking about a second ago before we... Oh, my God. He's going to hit the window. Parody and It's actually anxiety. kind of a cool shot. It goes all the way through it. Um, <coughs> one of the things we were talking about, I think it was before we were recording, is 
the possibility that the thing that hasn't aged about Psycho, aside from the broad acting, is like when you watch that shower scene, now it's almost kind of funny. But I think right. what's changed is at the time, people weren't good, like literally culturally ca- capable <clears throat> of assimilating images that were changing that fast. It's true. They, they didn't yeah. have, you know... Yeah. There was no MTV. I mean, that's Top the Gun didn't come out 35 years ago for these people. Yeah. They're watching these shots that are going by at like a second or two a shot. We didn't watch as much television. Yeah, television exactly. also wasn't as cutty. It takes a second for you to kind of like parse and read the image if you're not used to sort of the film language of it. And going so fast as, you know, going as fast as Psycho does was probably basically just like seeing a bunch of weird flash frames. And it was left, people were left with like a blurry image of, I think that knife was going into her, but I couldn't tell. I saw a knife. It was just long enough to go, it's a knife, and it cut it away. Of course, now we're all so good. We can, you know, watch movies where like Fight Club Tyler Durden will appear for one frame and we can see him like so we're watching this psycho yeah in the, 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 like the this, shower scenes like slapping her with a knife the concept of subliminal <laughs> frames like yes it's only going to be on for one frame it's like well but you can see one frame you can see on one frame you can totally see one frame yeah, yeah. Right. it doesn't make any sense and I wonder totally if that's the thing that's like and it's the same with that window shot where they did the weird like jump cut from one window setup to the next shot of the window and I wonder if it was a thing where like you would have noticed that cut, but it might have seemed like a style thing instead of like a limitation that we couldn't do it all in one shot. There's there's a cut in uh, It's a Wonderful Life that I'm convinced it, it like it jumped out at me as this real as a really terrible cut because it breaks the I think it's called the 30 degree rule where like if you're cutting from shot to shot yeah. uh, sequentially. They should be more than 30 degrees off from each other because otherwise they're too close and but it's, they're not. It's, the same. it's a jump cut unless it's more than 30. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so it seems, you know, like it's it's one of those. No, like, and eh. it's, but but it's just once. It's obviously not a stylistic choice. It's like ah, and clearly, you know, in 1941, whatever, it's a wonderful life first came out. It's like probably just didn't actually register for people at the time. Yeah. Well, and or sometimes you do a bad cut because you got no choice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But between that and then the acting, which what's what do you what are you talking about with the Stanislavski? We've talked about Meisner. Stanislavski, similar. I mean, My, Meiser, this is the same school, background. Similar schools. So Stanislavski was this Russian. What were those uh, guys reacting to? What are these guys doing in this movie that later got refined and much more nuanced? Like this is just theater acting. In, just, yeah, the, just classical the, acting. The historical acting historically before the method and before Stanislavski and, and the group theater in New York uh, was theatrical in the sense that it was artificial and that if you go as far back as Shakespeare, uh, they. They're, they weren't trying to like convince the audience that this was real. Right. Their their goal was not to it genuinely uh, um, match a genuine human behavior. Right. They were they were behaving in a specific way that said we are on stage and we are performing this scenario. But their goal was not to convince you that it was that the emotions yes. were real or to fool your. And now we present the fisherman and his wife. Yes. yes. Yeah. And so that's. That you know, basic philosophy, that basic mindset or frame, holds up until Stanislavski and and his whole method and and the group theater and his when, whole, his and whole his, thing was basically this Stanislavski. Is yeah, Stanislavski. Stop it. Yeah, Stanislavski's basic point was we're trying to imitate humanity, so we should do that as well as we can. Here are some techniques to do it that are more about actually feeling the emotions and behaving like a genuine human being, as opposed to having the kind of this artifice. Um, so. It's obviously, I mean, even these guys are way more natural than, yeah. you know, if you pulled somebody from, literally from Shakespeare's day, because mm. the technology that, you know, and the, the actual situation they're both dealing with is much different. But Stanislavski was the kind of the watershed big moment where 
somebody actively and consciously thought, no, this is this is the standard that we should be striving towards, and that's what we should be measuring. Uh, it's our fascinating that it's stuck. By. Like that seems at the time, I bet you that seemed like a weird, arbitrary, maybe even kind of arty choice, where it's like, all right, well, I see. We, maybe it'd be interesting to see that once, but like that just fucking stuck. All movies, all TV became that after this. I w- whenever Stanislavski was like, "Yo, dogs, let's, let's not do it this way anymore." The whole world went yup permanently. Eh, not necessarily. There's there's still like there's still styles of acting. It's not all that. I mean, there's sitcom acting, and there specifically is sitcom acting okay, to this okay, day. And sure. I would not call it Stanislavski necessarily. Um, there's not just sitcom acting. There's Disney Channel sitcom acting. Yeah. Uh, there's you know there's 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 house styles uh, of various things. What what's interesting is. I'm to build on your point though. I'm you know because because Stanislavski was like 30s. Was he earlier than that? 1930s. Um, yeah, 30s and it, you know yeah. it's gradually it was in Europe and, and Soviet Union and then and then but then it came to New York in the 50s. Yeah, and you know Strasbourg and and, and basically Strasbourg, uh, Stringer, Meisner, and a bunch of those people went. To, one of them, Uta Hagen, uh, one of them or Took a couple of them went to Russia and studied with them, and then basically brought the method back. And I think Stanislavski came out here at some point. But yeah. basically, that's when the method jumped from Russia to New York. And that group of people, Meisner was one of them, and that, that, whole, um, that whole collection of people became the seed from which the, you know, everything else sprang from. So in, that, in those classes, I mean, the, uh, the, the list of... So who were the young, struggling actors in those Meisner? Yeah. And, and they're yeah. insane lists of, you know, it's everybody it's you've like ever Dustin heard of. Hoffman, right? Well, it's, like, yeah, everybody. it's literally everybody. It's yeah. Goldblum, Hoffman... Uh, uh, Marlon Brando, you know, Brando, Gene Hackman, yeah. uh, Robert Duvall. I mean, yeah, it's like yeah. you know, it's, it's everybody, everybody, everybody who was anybody in acting in the in the sixties and seventies, unless they were on TV playing, you know, Scooter or whatever. You know, they're, they're, but our our great actors all came out of that. Um, some classes are like nobody in that class didn't turn out to be a name actor. <laughs> it was yeah. pretty impressive. Anyway, um, and uh, and Perkins came out of that sort of camp. I'm I, uh, I'm pretty sure because he, he started and he did some stage. I believe he's a stage actor also. I don't in know York. About that. Um, but isn't the, that but, the my favorite Martian guy? Or am I just uh, mixing up my which, 50s characters? Which fella? The hit, her boss. Not this guy in the cowboy not, hat. Not the cowboy hat guy. It's an Arby's hat, too. Yeah, yeah it's look definitely that. an Arby's hat. Have a, why do you have a fistful <laughs> of meat? It's Pharrell, you guys. <laughs> ah, shit. Yeah, there. Yeah. Ray Walston? No, that's not it's Ray not? Walston. All right. no. um, anyway, so the what's interesting, though, is... is I can understand why you know stage acting is broad because of course you're yeah, a little you're person in the a back thousand row miles has to, away yeah, has to hear it exactly playing to the cheap seats as we call it but it's it's that this whole Meisner thing certainly came into its own with film because it was like wait a minute we if we shoot you know if we're shooting a shot of just your face you don't want to be going well hello there you, right. you want to how small how small can you get and still yeah you know register the thing and it turns out you know pretty small if the camera comes in close on you so. So that technique just lends itself better as, you know, again, it's just all part of the sophistication yeah, of people just figured out that's what we should do for. Yeah. Movies. Like, wow. It's like, boy, there's people like nobody actually acts like that. But then not you didn't necessarily go to the movies to see human behavior. You want to be entertained by the circus clowns and go, well, hey, everybody, I would have to go dance. back and check. But if I recall correctly, like in my memory right now, I'm playing back like the newspaper scene in Citizen Kane. And I feel like everyone except for Orson is doing the big theater thing. And Orson's very subtle. It was like, you know, I just do, try everything I think of and all that stuff. You send yeah. the war and I'll do this. And everyone else was like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Sir. And he's like, yeah, I thought so. Thanks. Like he's in, in my head. Orson was doing the same thing where he's way maybe he's not quite as small as Anthony Perkins is 30, 25 years well, later. Orson came from the WPA Actors Theater and everything. He else. was in New York. He, he would have. Yeah, anyway, he started yeah. in stage. Theaters. I don't know if he had any specific experience with 
the group theater or anything. He, he would have encountered, encountered it. He would have been in that orbit. Yeah. Known the only it, yeah. time in history, it's been earnestly like speculated that maybe Orson Welles was being subtle. Yes. <laughs> but, but yes, but, you know, he came out, he had to tone it down a little bit. <laughs> I don't do it all, so I don't do I mean, everything I can try. It's also a development of uh, out of Oh, film. Janet, your bras in this movie. Thank you for your bras. <laughs> like a virgin. Touched for the very first. It's now, uh, Jamie Lee did not exist yet, I don't think. Which, that's what Wyatt's the next kid will hear at a party, but he's going to grow up listening to Like a Surgeon, let yeah. me tell you. Yes. I don't think Jamie Lee was around yet, although maybe she was. No, she's, she probably wasn't, but close. Yeah. Jamie uh, Lee might be in this shot, for all we know. Ah. She might be in there. She might be right there under that, semi under that bra, a little south of the bra. A lot of things are under that bra. Maybe Jamie Lee Well, Curtis. even if she's Most not, she was under that bra. Even if she's not, Half she of her, would be, 50% right? of her is, yeah. in this, is in this movie. Um, uh, well, unless she's already gone. Maybe she's already out. Uh, that's true. In which case, none uh, of her is in this movie at all. This movie is Jamie Lee Curtis free. Anyway. Um, so, the, I mean, Jamie, Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis needs to do the, the wishful drinking like Carrie Fisher did, where she shows shots of her mom doing this incredible, strenuous dancing and going... She's pregnant with me in this scene right now. So thanks, Mom. But uh, anyway, so she goes, there's, but Debbie Reynolds does this incredible acrobatic thing, and Carrie Fisher pauses the video and goes, pregnant! That's <laughs> <laughs> great. So anyway, Jamie Lee Curtis, wherever you are in this movie or not, we're, we're thinking about you. You can, see, you, can totally, you can totally see her in her mom. I mean, she oh, yeah. resembles her mom much more than she does her dad. She does not look like Tony Curtis very much. Um, huh. But uh, she looks a lot like uh, Janet Lee. I hadn't put that one together, but yep, I totally see it. Um, oh, there's where the Lee Curtis comes from. Yep, she's no. uh, early, though, early hyphenate. But yeah. Lee, but Tony it, Curtis and Janet Lee. But Lee yeah. is spelled differently. No, L E I G H. Isn't Jan- I thought she was L E E. I thought it was L E yeah. too. I don't know. Whatever. They're both L E I G H. Huh? Huh? Uh, yeah. Anyway, by the way, that amount of money I was looking at the yeah. the adjusted the for whopping, inflation, yeah. oh, forty thousand yeah. dollars. I looked up in adjusted dollars, it's like three hundred eighteen grand. Yeah, so it's like Lamborghini money. Woo. Yeah, yeah, it's enough to get you out of Phoenix. <laughs> That's the nice RP there. It's fantastic. So this is clearly a, a Pulp Fiction reference. Yeah, yeah, totally ripping off Pulp Fiction there. <laughs> but I just—that's the same thing as fucking the Wyatt bit with Wyatt. With just I'm gonna show. Yeah, I'm gonna show my kids all just Quentin Tarantino movies, and then eventually one day he'll see. Like uh, yeah, wait a minute. Well, that's happening all the time. It's like people seeing like, oh my god, you know, like people when people say the one he did, the most recent one, the the western, the Django. Django yeah, it's like, oh Django is so genius. Like he's, have you not seen the movies? He's just doing. He's doing mm-hmm. other movies. That's all he's doing. In the chat, guest points out that Jamie was born in '58. So okay, so she's so she's a toddler. So she had already had a. Jamie, Sorry, a mommy Jamie. has to go off and get stabbed today, sweetie. I'll be back. A Jamieectomy. So she'd already been de-Jamied. Actually, a Jamieotomy. Jamieotomy. Uh. That's true. Nope. I had it right the first time because ectomy is out, otomy is cut. So but lowotomy is removal, cut not it. a yeah. severance, yeah. but just a removal. That's right. So, so I, 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 they, she had her Jamie removed is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Drew J. Moore. This, yeah, again, I don't think this is, this is Arizona. This looks more like Saugus. That's <laughs> what it looks. Hitchcock just had a thing. Uh, it's we would certainly see. It's 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 you get away with it better in black and white. God bless black and white for being getting away with visual effects. But the whole concept of the establishing shot is real on location. But as soon as the actors getting close and start to talk, we've recreated the entire thing on a soundstage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which they weren't required. I understand. Like in the twenties and thirties, technology required you to do that. Sure. 
but that wasn't the case by 1960, was it? I mean, no, you didn't have to. It was. It was coming along. The 60s was the turning point. I mean, it point. may not have been easy. Late 50s to Dude. the mid to the early early 60s was when cameras were. I mean, were good enough and yeah. small enough that you could start to go on location. But the, just the concept of shooting an entire movie, like you wouldn't actually shoot the entire movie on yeah, the street. That was that's old crazy. school. That's old school event. Like this is just yeah. Hitchcock showing up for work today on a penny farthing, just because he can. Yeah. Just like I, I, I want to be old timey about this because it's me. But dude, and then the Hitchcock theme plays as he waddles in. But to do it, I mean, it seems weird now. But to do it, like we remarked on it, especially in the in the Vertigo, where there's a street on San Francisco, in San Francisco, where the building, which exists to this day, which gets you know gets money out of yeah, where that building you see them pull up in front of in Vertigo, <coughs> and in the wide shot they pull up. It's in San Francisco, and there's this front porch, and they pull up in a car, and then they step onto the porch, and then that entire thing is rebuilt in a studio. So they can have the conversation on that porch. And it just, it seems so insane to see that nowadays yeah. that they would have done a movie like that. Just I, like this, like you were already there in a car by the desert. But part, I think, I think it's largely that cameras were getting, it could be just, that, but audio was not so easy to record right. in the wild. Well, there so. could be that. It could also be that it was just the, the film was too slow at that time. Where like at a certain point you can't you'd have to bring out a bunch of lights into that's the true. middle you, of anywhere and, and just to expose enough for us to film this outside. Yeah, the, the, that's true. On a studio, Camera, we can crank cameras, it up. yeah, cameras could were getting more portable, but to do actual on the street stuff, you had to go basically. You had to go what we would now call you know found footage handheld because you couldn't bring lights with you. There weren't lights so that you could set up easily. Yeah, right. to set up in the exterior, and you had to like you said, yes, you're shooting in daylight. Your shadows are going to go pure black unless you bring in. Yeah. A billion candle power to 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 light brighten the shadows up, so so yeah, it's partly that to control. I think you know again that's probably more likely um, in the in the long term. I, I think audio, you know, well we're gonna get bad audio. We can't record audio out in the middle of nowhere. You know, bear in mind this whole thing that's happening right now could also not be in the movie. Yes, yeah, the whole cop thing and the whole buying a new car thing actually don't do anything in the movie. It's just tense. Yeah, which that's fine, but on the second viewing, you go why why is all this here? Yeah, it's well. It's interesting that the first half is I don't know, chron- chronologically how much time it actually is to the shower scene, but um, the first hour ish, I'm guessing, of the movie is all red herring. The movie's like yeah. of all the things the movie's about, it's not going to be about any of those things after the first hour. So it's like you think you think this is a movie, as you said, that's what the the original author Block yeah, was doing. Keep setting it's you up about, and then up, they killed him. It's about this woman who stole this money, and blah blah blah. And you know, the money nope. is the consummate yeah. MacGuffin because the money is going to not even be, you know, Norma's going to leave it in the car and throw it in the lake and never even know it existed or care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and you know, the money is a huge is total MacGuffin, and uh, it's not even a MacGuffin because it doesn't even motivate Norman to do anything. It just it's just what put her in harm's way is all that, all it did. Yeah, the the technical film term for what that is is. Things, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not a MacGuffin. It's Prop. just, it's just uh, things. Yeah. happen. The term is pointless. I believe. Yeah, stuff you thought was important, but so wasn't. Yeah. Um. But then, yeah, yeah. They're very daring and crazy and insane. Like to to take an established actress and and make her the lead of your movie, and then one hour in, kill her. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like you can't do that. You can't do that. And to the point where to this day. With very few exceptions that you can name in, in the, the intervening 50 years where that's ever been done again. It's just it's so odd and yeah. so counter counter to whatever, you know, every instinct we have about storytelling that people just don't do it ever. Except for when uh, they killed off Walter White in season two. 
It's a different Walt white guy. Troll. It's a different white guy for the rest of the show. Troll. Yep. It's it's just Brian Cranston in a Walter White mask. Yes. It's just like Comic Con. I would have to say that uh, uh, executive decision. Uh, yeah, that's not just one. just because. But that's where the marketing department made you think it was a Steven Seagal film. A and scream. It's not so much a Steven Seagal film as it turns out. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's that's the movie didn't you know the movie didn't set it up that way that was really more a marketing thing i just know there were people who were upset who thought literally thought they were going to see a steven seagal film and saw instead a you know a john leguizamo uh <laughs> kurt russell film which i can't imagine being disappointed by that but there were people who were who would have preferred a steven seagal film well you know when you set um, your expectations low and then it's like oh yeah so but I, I i would say that's not the again that's not the movie's fault that's the marketing department's fault making it look like it was a alien good point snail forgot about alien Alien's pretty good, although no one's the main character. I mean, Sigourney Weaver is pretty much the main character from the get-go in Alien. You don't, you know. Yeah, but all, killed, the people, all the people you recognize. If they killed Sigourney Weaver, you would have been surprised. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's a, it's up there. It's it's certainly. Now, you, know. you guys haven't watched Psycho 2, and I'm assuming no one's gonna. Yeah, bit. All right, well, I mean, it's it's interesting because what I was surprised by, as soon as I found out there was Psycho 2, because I had never heard of that, like I was introduced yeah. to the concept of that as a sequel, I got it. It read more like a Looney Tunes joke for me, where it's like Psycho Two. It's like Citizen Kane Two is what it sounded like when they said that. It's like you can't make fucking Psycho Two and call <laughs> yeah. it and call it Psycho Two. Like yeah. you could have a different movie with a different title, and it's like it's actually the sequel to Psycho. Oh, interesting, fascinating. Psycho Two, <laughs> the Psychening. Psycho Three, Psych. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever. So Psych hard with a vengeance. Psycho yeah, exactly. Four, you. Psycho. I thought only one movie could be truly psychotic, and I. So I'm. I, the first thing I think is this is like like Jaws Five. Like this is going to be the cheesiest piece of shit thing. But I'm I'm looking at the IMDb page for it, and it's fucking the same guy plays Norman in that movie, and I'm like, really? And then I look at the wiki page and look at the reception, and it's like people were like, yeah, it's pretty good. Like like Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel both had really nice things to say about it they both gave it a thumbs down at the end of the review because it couldn't compete with Psycho but they're like no they, they, they basically were reviewing the, its existence and yeah that, exactly yeah, you have to go we, we, we object to this existence but, <laughs> but it, all these people are going didn't like, do a bad job it's a smart canny job of you know making a sequel to Psycho it's interesting and it actually makes you like compelled in Norman Bates and all that stuff <laughs> if someone put a gun to your head and said make a sequel to Psycho it's as good as it could have been <laughs> yeah right exactly and Anthony Perkins comes back and plays Norman Bates and it starts 22 years after after the end of Psycho, he's getting let out of jail, and the people in town, the sister, this lady's sister, who spends the back 45 minutes of this movie trying to find out what happened to Janet Lee, is still around, and she's like, you can't let him out of jail, he killed my fucking sister, fuck that, and they're like, dude, we, we're not keeping him in jail anymore, he's out, and she spends the entire movie, like, chagrined as Norman, you just watch Norman try to, like, reintroduce himself into the world, and gets a job at a diner, and like he comes back to the motel, but the guy who runs the motel has like been doing an awful shitty job of it, and he like he rents out the rooms by the hour kind of motel. And Norman's <laughs> like, ah, you can't do that to my home. It's just and it's this weird thing. And Norman fucking Anthony Perkins is he looks the same. It's twenty three years later, but he's still got the same fucking Norman Bates thing, and he's creepy and terrifying. But over the course of the movie, you're basically introduced to him as this weird sympathetic character where you're still terrified, but you're like sad for him. Like what George wanted to have happen with Anakin Skywalker totally works in Psycho 2 and like Norman Bates is fucking compelling and sad and interesting and it's not until the very end that it's like oh damn it shit you had me but at the very end it does a full reset thing like all of what Ghostbusters 2 was is how Psycho 2 ends mm -hmm. and this is the spoiler so if you actually want to see it 
plug your ears. I think I remember this without having seen it. I think I remember being spoiled already. Let's see if I remember. If you, okay, okay so ahead. here comes the spoiler. The mom that is his mom that he killed that he keeps the corpse around in Psycho wasn't his mom. She was Aww. his mom's sister. Aww. His real mom had to give him away because she had weird psycho problems. And she's like, I'm your mom. This is the very end of the movie. And Norman kills her and carries her up to the mom's room and puts her in the rocking chair. And that's my dead mom now. Ah. Like it's that full of a reset to the point where it's, it's hilariously dumb how far they stretched just to get it to the point where Norman's back at the house and Mom's Norman has mom chair. and yeah. he dresses up and the whole thing and he talks to himself as mom and all that shit. But that's how it ends. Although right before that part, that's like literally the last five or eight minutes of it. Right before that, they actually do a thing where they explain like the mystery gets resolved and all that shit at the end of the movie. It's like, oh, wow, that's a crazy series of events. That was fun. And it's actually cool. I'm skipping the plot entirely. I just told you the ending. Um, but they do the thing that they do in Psycho where there's like a 10 minute explanation like oh, at, at, at the precinct like the guys like now the recap yeah but but it, it's cute because it's like in this case it's defending norman and being like no he was framed this time and it's, it's it's just adorable and until that last bit where i'm like did you really just fucking do that with the mom thing <laughs> are you kidding me that's the uh. that's the cheapest thing you could have possibly done up until that point i was watching this movie going holy shit they came to work like th- this psycho 2 is actually pretty good and i haven't seen psycho 3 but it's directed by anthony perkins <laughs> and then Psycho 4 came out, which is called The Beginning, in 1990, and then Anthony Perkins so died. Psycho, th- Psycho 2 is actually the one that should have the subtitle Psych. Right. Because about the mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, uh, the fourth one came out in 1990, and then Anthony Perkins died at 90, in 92 at the age of 60 of uh, complicated complications related to AIDS. There you go. So there you go. Back when, back when you could die of that and, and go, but I'm not gay. Yeah. I got it from... And like all a the dog. all the reports, all the reports you can see, and you know the, the way that the press would have been about actors in the '60s. But all the reports are like, when you read through the lines, yeah, totally gay, super. Well, gay. of course, yeah. He, got, he was married. He died married. Um, yeah. But he was like, he at the time Psycho came out, like all these actors, like Jane Fonda and Bridget Bardo, kept throwing themselves at me, and I was terrified of them. <laughs> yeah. Like he's telling like cute like anecdotes on fucking Dick Cavett or something back in the day about how he's like, oh, and I, I was so spooked, and I was, oh, I would have rather jumped out of a window. It's just like. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not until like yeah. he says he like thirty nine forty that he uh, had his first relationship with a woman, and he got married and died married, and that's how you do. Eventually, you, you get to it. His family the, was tested for HIV; they were not positive. So, okay. The uh, you know just the fact that uh, you know talking about the risque and the daring is like in nineteen sixty to play you know a murderer. Hey, you play a murderer, transvestite but, murderer, but transvestite murderer. Wow, career killer. You know, <laughs> yeah. yikes. You know, what are you saying? Especially if, especially if you've been, you know, sort of trying to keep it on the down low from the tabloids, what your personal life is like. It was like, ah, oh, well, there you go. What do you expect? You think he tried to distance himself from, from yeah, things it's that like of people all, in 1960 think is perverted. You know? yeah. I, was, yeah. I was actually surprised to learn that the word transvestite even existed in 1960, at least to the point where you could just say it in a movie where and expect the audience to go, oh, yes, I know what that is. Why? When did you did you think that men and women wore the same outfits until 1960? No, just that like the sexual repression and you know deviance would have been be so too, kept under the lid, like too esoteric yeah. a term for yeah. people to recognize. Well, exactly. Yeah. Unless you thanks, thank you, thanks to Milton Berle who wore women's clothing on television all through the 50s for, right. for fun. Um, you know, I think we were exposed to that. And you only pulled out enough to win. Yep. The uh, the idea of 
You know, and then certainly many, many, whatever the current uh, popular phrase is, L-B-G-T-Q-X-P-Aladocious. I mean, like, pardon me for not keeping up uh, with the, the, the Spectrum name yet, but, but the, you know, as, and rightly so, I'm not, as, as rightly so, it's like, yes, transvestite, therefore serial killer. I mean, yeah. Yeah. transvites, you know, and it's transvestite, like, transsexual, they're serial killers, right? All of them, right? According to the media, because they're yeah. crazy and insane, obviously, Psycho, by definition. Psycho, the Lambs. And everything else. An episode of the Streets of San Francisco starring John Davison in the in the seventies, um, basically doing a psycho riff. Whereas, like uh-huh. you know, the next day it was like, well, you know, he's a total gay. I mean, why would he play that role if he wasn't gay? You know, this. I mean, I'm in third actor. grade. This is, yeah. I'm having these arguments with right. people. You know, well, maybe he's just an actor, and maybe it's just something he wanted to do. You know, like clearly, I was the one who's going to go to Hollywood and think that was all okay to like wear <laughs> women's clothing and and pretend and you were transvestite when face. you really weren't and spit in God's face. That was that was my destiny. But um, <laughs> but yes, the idea, and certainly this is one of the earlier examples I'm aware of it of transvestite is a concept, but right. to, you know, other than in some kind of you know stag movie or porn movie, to have it portrayed on screen is not uh, just as a even human behavior a, as a hint which it's only hinted at the very end like well for eight seconds there he was in a dress like <laughs> that's it you know fortunately he was killing someone so you kind of you don't have to dwell on it but um but yeah the you know transvestite i mean i think the the concept has been around a good long time i well i'm not, I'm not saying that it as a thing has not been around since the dawn of time or since the dawn of gender roles in the first place i'm just saying like that uh, it would have had enough, you know, traction as a term on its own that the guy at, at the end of the movie can say, you know, yes, he was a transvestite, and that Hitchcock and the writer could just expect an audience <laughs> to understand that definition. Shockingly, yeah. shockingly, we had the word at the time. Um, as I as I mentioned, catching up on old movies, I recently saw The Wages of Fear, a movie made in 1950. Which is surprisingly forward because it's a French movie made in 1950. Therefore, nudity. Who cares? Yeah, go for it. Right. Um, it's before we cared. <laughs> yes, exactly. So it's it's very loose in that way. But the concept that struck me that made me go, "Wow, I huh," is uh, I've mentioned this elsewhere, but uh, it's about it's about it's it's the movie that uh, ultimately became remade as Sorcerer, which I've I've also plugged. Um, mm-hmm. So it's about these guys in South America working for an oil company or working adjacent to an oil company. And at one point in The Wages of Fear, the original movie made in 1950, uh, one of the French characters says to the other, like, oh, you know, over there you have to deal with the Americans. And the first guy who's new in town says, oh, there are Americans here. And the first guy goes, well, wherever there's, wherever there's oil, there's Americans. Wow. Um, and it's like, and that's true. And that's, there was, that was a 50-year-old truism then. I mean, as long as there's been oil... There's Americans. I mean, that's huh. why that's why we're in the Middle East. That's why we're in South America. That's why we're in Central America, because there's oil. And that's why we take over their governments and set up our puppets and go. We would just we want your oil and what it will take. And we just we've always done that. And the rest of the world knows that's what we do right. to the point where they can just say it flat out. But we're not aware that that's what we do and that we're perceived that way. But we're perceived as like, oh, yeah, those are those freaky guys, those freaky country that will do anything for oil. They will do the most outrageous crimes just to get oil. All right. That's America. Alex Ruger. Yeah. Kind of put Bernard Herrmann into context for me here. What was going on in film scores in like the 40s and 50s up until this point? And then what did Bernard Herrmann do that like, yep, that guy right there, we're going to copy that template. That was perfect. Well... What's the, um, what's the thing that makes him Bernard Herrmann and not a guy who doesn't have a name? You know how you guys are talking about the, the, 
the acting school thing. Like everyone no. was, everyone was sort of, uh, no, I don't sort know. of we- stagey. But then there was like you know <laughs> yes. Norman here being all scoring was kind of the same thing. Like in in the sixties, it started to change a little bit. Um, and you know, before the sixties, scoring was pretty much just classical music. I mean, it was big, just romantic. bombast and romantic and huge. Yeah, and it, it was overly. Whatever emotion they were doing, they did times a billion, and you know it's it, it was you know too lush and huge and all that. And uh, but outside of film scoring and sort of concert music world, there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on in the first half of the 20th century. Well, there's always been really interesting stuff going on, but the first half of the 20th century was especially really cool, and it kind of started to seep into. Uh, scoring and it kind of first happened in the horror genre because what was happening on the concert stage was like crazy weird new music that people kind of would be disturbed by yeah yeah it sounds a little scary and so that became the horror sound and bernard herman for a million reasons is just incredible but um in psycho in general i mean he he just took that sound and milked it for all it was worth and i i mean he he deviated from the norm in a lot of ways, the Norman Bates. Hey, um, <laughs> he, he he deviated from the. You're norm, saying Norman's like, a deviant? Yeah, I heard yeah, you. Maybe I got yeah. the subtext. Um, but yeah, he like you know there was usually like a really big orchestra, and in this he had a really small string section, which sounds scratchy and like you can hear all the yeah, little imperfections, right. all these little things. And he, uh, I mean, I don't know. Be- beyond that, there's just. I mean, he just Do from a music porn standpoint. When he's you just well, you, great. you said you have the score for the opening titles of Psycho, yeah, right? and you look through it, and you, and you when you look at it, is there shit that you don't even notice it when you hear the music? That when you look at it on paper, you're like, "Holy shit, he is doing that!" I hadn't noticed that. Is that Mostly, the sort of experience you can have when you read music like that? Yeah, where you notice um, shit where it's like, I now I hear it in my head, but I never noticed that when I was just listening to it. Well, yeah, with with things like orchestration, it would be like I didn't notice there was an oboe there. Um, but with Psycho, uh, the chords that he's using are just really cool. They're just like that opening bit, chunk, 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 chunk. Like it's just a really cool structure that he's using. And uh, I mean, I I steal from him all the time. Like there's and everyone does. Uh, I think I brought it up on the last Uncomposed, maybe, but uh, the Vertigo score, like you can hear that it greatly influenced the non Brahm sounds of inception the right yeah, yeah no we did talk the, about the cob and uh what's her name mall like love stuff like that's it's very much the vertigo score um uh, so like his his influence is just in, massive in your head is it herman equals hitchcock like that's that's the thing that you remember herman for or is there other shit well too? That i is, mean obviously he did yeah, other stuff but yeah. is there other you know big thingies where it's uh, like oh, he, all, he did all this Plus, he scored the first season of uh, Pretty Young Liars, <laughs> or whatever. No, uh, I mean, Journey to the Center of the Earth is a really good score yeah. of his. Um, I don't know. He's, he's I had a couple a of Bernard really Herrmann soundtrack albums when oh, I was yeah? a kid. You know, I, yeah. Back when I used to buy soundtrack albums, Bernard Herrmann was a, a, you know, a, a name that I recognized yeah. because of yeah. Psycho, but other things he did as well. Yeah, he's, He'd also do radio dramas sometimes. He would do yeah. this, you know, just um, do the music and then also radio he, drama. I mean, he introduced the theremin to the world, yeah. you know, with... The day the earth stood still. Oh. That was yeah. Oh, that's right. That's his. Yeah. That's, yeah. So yeah, he he kind of pioneered that. And what do you he, think of as science fiction music? Yeah, right. Yeah, it, um, uh, he kind of invented the first sounds of sci-fi and horror. Yeah. 
Huh. And uh, that's why we that's why we, as we've talked about that's why John Williams is known for Star Wars because that was when you know he and George Lucas you know or George Lucas said you know what fuck this it's always Donuts. a goddamn theremin and said I'm gonna go back old school yep and make yep. it or- orchestral it's like you can't do a sci-fi movie with an orchestra so that's what yeah. happens that's John ridiculous. Williams was correcting Bernard Herrmann and the whole world was like awesome yeah. well the whole that's all of Star Wars Star Wars is like you know that shit that we used to do that no one remembers we used to do that's what yeah, we're gonna like, do yeah like the, we can do the, that the score to Star Wars is like the score to Ben Hur you yeah, know I yeah. mean updated for the time but it's like. It was recalling back to that era, and Bernard Herrmann was rebelling against that to a degree. I mean, rebelling is kind of the wrong word, but he was trying to do something new, and John Williams was taking what was done before and doing something new with that. Because the thing that happened with Bernard Herrmann and that that sound, just that, not the sound, the the era of his scoring is that that eventually fizzled out, and we got you know song scores, and you know they were using pop song orchestral scores were done. Before Star Wars brought it all back, that's true. So yeah. there, there's Rain this weird on, ebb and flow man. of hmm. how that how that happened. Um, but the cool thing about Bernard Herrmann is that he still was like whatever music is going on here. I don't remember it exactly, but I'm guessing that there's some music. Whoop, there it and, is. <laughs> and uh, yeah. um, I like he, big butts and I cannot lie. He, he's, Am I wrong? He's I like stuff birds guys, and I cannot die. I, I think he took. Uh, uh, any any movie that, if you go back a decade, it would have been, you know, it, like I was saying, it would have been very ham-fisted and just... People were ham-fisting all the time. All the ham-fists. Fists were full of ham. They're fisting hams. hams left and right. And, yeah. uh, and what, what he was doing was he was kind of scoring the scene in a new, uh, to a new degree of depth it sounds like it sounds like you're saying he was if not the guy who started it but he was along the bleeding edge of when the role of a film composer went from being please write music that is pretty that is and then we're gonna put that on the movie to reacting to the scene and using the score as another thing he wasn't quite the first per se but yeah he was the guy who but this is about the era when that starts being a thing he's he's the first guy that i that i point to as being like yeah he did this right reactive scoring like crazy amounts of right like the same it's the same thing with goldsmith and williams where i mean all of these guys at this point are kind of out of date and but i mean herman he still he sounds the freshest to me out of like well well, john williams sounds like the 1800s yeah Yeah. (laughs) well goldsmith i'd actually say is probably the freshest out of out of the trio but uh herman like yeah if if i listen to any score of his it's like shit this would rock today like it would be super cool and uh huh. yeah he's he's just there's i have nothing bad to say about him you know he was a nazi no, no complaints i don't know if that's true yeah. or not but it's a bad thing you could say about him <laughs> I, 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 I made yeah. it up he yeah. hit but children and little dogs i mean you can say lots of bad terrible things. taste yeah. in yeah. shoes uh, yeah yeah oh man uh, what was it? Was he? He was German. Was he German? I don't know. I'll find know. out. <laughs> I was just, if only this information was available somewhere. I just kidding. I could have. I could have looked it up. You know, it's it's funny. Is it didn't even occur to me, but in reading American after right. watching uh, uh, Psycho and then yeah. reading all about the time or later American. Him and yeah, his dog. start as American or what? Yeah, really. Because anyone can be American. We're kind of crazy that way. Oh, he died in NoHo. That sucks. Wow, oh, really? Age 64, 1975, in North Hollywood, California. Wow. In this very room. You know what's beep, funny? Beep, beep, John beep. Williams was born in North Hollywood. He wrote his oh. first film score for Citizen Kane. Yeah. Wow. What an asshole. Find something on that guy to suck, <laughs> let me tell you. Anderson, and Amerson's, yeah. <coughs> God damn. That's right, I forgot Imagine that that was his thing. 
That's your first. The greatest yeah. film of all time. Yeah. First score. But what have you done lately? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, North by Northwest, Psycho, The Birds, Vertigo, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Yeah, but like my, my favorite lately, score is lately. Vertigo. That's a, that's a hard sure. guy to call up and hire him. It's like, oh, you have a film? Oh, tell me about it. No, no, please tell me about it. By the way, did you know I started my career with uh, Orson Welles and ending film. it with, uh, you know, Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. But no, please tell me about your movie. <laughs> I would love to score it. Let me hear more about That's it. That's right. His last one was Taxi Driver. That's right. Man. That's right. I'd forgotten that, but that is well, true. Yeah. That Which has a very like memorable, memorable theme. Oh, yeah. People remember the Taxi Driver theme. Very cool. Yes. That's a hell of a career as a yeah. film, yeah, that's, as a that's, film that's, score that's, guy. That's, Citizen Kane through Hitchcock and ending on Taxi Driver. Wow. That's that's a... Talk about hitting the sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. There it is. Dude, look at this list. It's crazy. Yeah. Wow. It's like wow. three and four Snows films a year. And then some, yeah, and then some wow. crap that you have no idea you've never heard of. Cape Fear. Fahrenheit 451. It's alive. Yeah, that's right. Then later he sort of became like... Oh, you know, it's, if you're doing a retro thing, like it's alive or yeah, something, right? Right. Get you know, get Bernard Herrmann. That's cool, man. You can trade off of that. And yeah, there's this, there's just this weird thing where, like, also in the last uncomposed, we were talking about this, but I, I, like, I just feel like as he started to age and Jerry Goldsmith started to come up, there's this weird like crossover point, and then when Bernard Herrmann died, just Gar- Jerry Goldsmith just kept doing what Bernard Herrmann would have been doing, like he, he just kept evolving in the same direction. And so it's not like he was doing what Bernard Herrmann was doing, right. but he was doing what he would have been doing. Um, and there's just this, you can draw this straight line through their work. It just seems like one evolution through through both guys. Interesting. A very interesting pair to me. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I asked you to contextualize Bernard Herrmann. I feel you have. <laughs> He's a Nazi. Yes. Yes. Total That's, Nazi. Yep. yep. Born in Nazi and, and puppy Hollywood. kicker. Now, if they were going to just like psychotically i'm sorry remake psycho again uh-huh. i think this time they should have andrew garfield play norman bates yeah. yes yeah that's uh, who yes, else could it be please. yeah yeah so though we were talking about this a bit before the show or shia. but the shia would do it shia would do it you just have to tap him on the shoulder and go shia we've all seen psycho we actually know that this movie Existed. <laughs> Written He's direct. Like no, like bro, it's check, check out. It's about a guy who lives in a hotel. Yeah, I know. It's psycho. We all see it. It's famous, Shia. Yeah. It's a famous movie. <laughs> Just saving you the trouble Just this time. The, the whole thing with uh, the 98 psycho, which none of us have seen. We watched a scene from it. While well, we had pizza before this yeah. commentary, and just hated it like that. It was all you needed to hate it. I, it's it's Vince Vaughn played Norman Bates, so that's crazy. He kind of killed it too. He was great. I but that was that, that was that was before Vince Vaughn became. Yeah. Old school guy. dodgeball became yeah. that, Vince that guy who's like, always with the other guy. It's after Maiden yeah. Swingers and The Cell, but before The Lost World? He was no, in right the after cell? The Lost World. After The Lost World, yeah. What? I think he was in The Cell. I might be mis- mistaken. Cell, I But think. it's before oh, like right. Wedding Crashers yeah. and that. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not era. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Before he metastasized into yeah. full blown Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Google internship. Um, yes. Yeah, oh, God. But directed by Gus Van Sant and directed in a weird use of the term. It's a shot for shot, effectively a shot for shot remake, like framing and everything. Like he's matching the shots, just yeah. he shot it again in color. Yeah, which it's 
It's like it's baffling. It's the weirdest fan film ever made. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like remember the Raiders adaptation yes, of the kids made. It's, it's, it's like Gus Van Sant and real money and real actors got together and just remade Psycho for fun and profit, and then like. I, yeah, I just, haven't seen it, so I feel it, I don't feel like I'm qualified to judge it. It's just what a weird, weird impulse. Yeah. It's just one of those things that you just go again. It's the fact that it exists. Like all the, they went through the entire process, and this is true at the time. I remember when the movie. Was, no one successfully from, said, "Let's not do this." Yeah, at any from, point from the conception to the release, there was the, re- the response from us out here in the world was, "Are you serious? Why?" And yeah. no one ever managed to successfully answer the question of. Okay, why the hell did you do that? What was the point of that? Other than to do it, uh, you know, to have achieved it. But I just, what? How did you get anyone to pay for it? Um, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, I remember there was one review that said, well, I'm really glad that this movie was made because now no one will ever do this again. Uh, because it's been shown that this is pointless and it's stupid, weird... and there's no reason to do it. I wonder, but um, like, I can imagine. I actually like sincerely agree with that sentiment because it's yeah. like crazy, kooky ideas. Yeah, why yeah, not? Sure. Worth trying. Sure. Right. Yeah. Try it because you don't know. So they there's try it, and over there. now we know. Let's, let's yeah. climb that mountain and see what's on the top of it. Yeah. Human endeavor. Yeah. Let's remake Psycho for the fuck of it. It's funny we've learned that we, again, we've learned nothing. Shit. If you're gonna if you're gonna do that, you need to do you know the the phantom edit. You need to have like let's do it where everyone everyone on the planet does ten, their own ten seconds and it's as cheesy as they could yeah. possibly make yeah. it yeah. to be a commentary on the material, but just to try and recreate it shot for shot. And it's weird because like I, I like Brian was saying, I would be happy to give it. The credit of being a weird movie that I don't want to watch, if it was a weird, like, crazy, kooky thingy we're going to try as a stunt, where it's like, fuck it, do weird shit like that, that's fun. Like, they remade Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, like, a year later in English. That's hilarious. Fine, let's see what happens. Hey, it's good job, and it's interesting to compare them. That was fun. What a weird thing to try. Kind of paid off. <laughs> but I'm just going to remake Psycho. I don't, Damn, see the, I don't see the stunt. Like, I don't see what Gus Van Sant, like, someone pitched him the idea, and then, like, his eyes lit up, and he's like, oh, I see what we could do with that. I don't see whatever it is that he yeah. must have saw and went, oh, we could do this yeah. with that. It's like, I don't, I don't want to see it in color. It's by tra- definition, yeah. you can't right. do anything it's with right. that. It's like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like tracing. It's cinematic tracing. Yeah. I don't know what compelled him to do Surely it. Surely there must be an interview. I remember there, I, and I'm sure I've read it. I just don't remember the justification. Like, just seriously, just like, again, this is interesting because we've just done Goodwill Hunting, which we think is his most mainstream, most successful, most, you know, well-received movie. Got the same, same director. I'm, you know, we asked at the, t- at the Goodwill Hunting, we talked about why is this movie called Goodwill Hunting? What does that even mean? And the fact that, you know, no one's really, no one can remember the answer that was given. And the answer is lost to history. It's the same thing. It's like, I know because what other question would there have been <laughs> when this, when the Psycho shot for shot remake came out? Surely the question, why, right. got asked a lot. And I know I've probably read the answer to the question, why. I just don't remember what the answer was. <laughs> it's like, maybe because it was so like, well, that can't be it. Or, really, that's it? Or whatever. But what I, surely the justification exists. Surely there is a statement somewhere as to why did we all do this thing? It's weird because like, I'm reading the wiki. It's, it says, like, according to the commentary by Vincent, Vaughn, and Haish, some actors, such as Macy, chose to stay true to the original, and others, such as Vaughn and Moore, interpreted the dialogue and scenes from the original film differently. Moore's version of Leela Crane, for example, was much more aggressive than the one portrayed by Vera Miles. And there are differences in Marion Crane's evolving attitudes about the money she stole. 
The cinematography and cinematic techniques were consistent between the two films and many of the most memorable scenes, including the shower scene and scenes of the mother and scenes of the swamp. Van Sant's comments from the commentary track attributes many of the updates to the need to make the film more accessible to a new audience. There's the toilet. Shocking. <gasps> well, wow. this is not, this is not a- Anne Heche was nominated for Worst Actress at the Razzies, <laughs> but she lost it to Spice Girls. Uh, Spice World. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for Spice Girls. Oh, here we go. Hey, everybody. She's in the shower. What do you think's going to happen Oh, my now? God. Oh, wow. Okay, here I we go. I can't believe we're seeing I'll, this. I'll, I'll, I'll drop, that was a toilet. I'll drop oh it after my. this. Film critic Roger Ebert, who gave the film one and a half stars, wrote that the film demonstrates that a shot-by-shot remake is pointless. Genius apparently resides between or beneath the shots or in the chemistry that cannot be timed or counted. Woo! Shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Psychos. Leonard Maltin called the movie a bomb, all capital letters, no punctuation. When yeah. Leonard Maltin is a dick about your movie. Yeah. <laughs> So here we go. So here we are, the famous scene. <laughs> Analyzed and parodied. Nope, not and yet. Not yet. The music comes yet. in just a little bit. Wait for the drop. It's actually really weird timing. It is. It's, it comes plop, in later plop, than plop. you think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, not yet. And now. Yep. Yeah, it's weird. And this is the thing where it's like, I would imagine... There's a couple of shots where you might actually see something if you did a frame by frame. Oh yeah, no, there's you can there's I'm oh, sure yeah. Mr. Scan has done it. Oh yeah. yeah. It's just weird. Huh. And then isn't the the blood something Usually it's chocolate it's syrup. It's like chocolate in syrup. In black and white movies. Like that's the, one of the famous the go to bits. Or caro yeah. syrup sometimes. The go to is chocolate syrup. Well caro syrup if you're gonna make your own mixture, if you're gonna do the this would be too early for the Dick Smith mixture, but uh but 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 Hershey syrup was the was the go to for black and white because it has the right consistency. It photographs the same, and it's you go and it, buy it at the store. Color, yeah. You don't have to do anything Plus fancy. Plus, you can paint with it. It's not like a liquid liquid. Yeah, and you can put it in your mouth. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. So, I haven't had chocolate syrup in my mouth in a long time. Mm. <laughs> Come over here. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It reminds me there was a there was a joke. Paul F. Tompkins used to tell a joke about how like he's trying to settle the difference between like the co- the the cake is better than pie people and the pie is better than cake people. He's like, mm. look, I'll tell you this. When, when you eat, like, uh, cake frosting, you feel shamed. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah. Whereas when you eat pie filling, you feel it, great. Yeah, when you eat pie filling, it's like you Everything. just plan for the apocalypse nothing, poorly. Nothing it's like I'm going to eat this that. pie filling and then I'm going to eat you. Like it's just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that not is a shame. That is a ridiculously good-looking shot of the. Yeah, it seems very and, modern. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It's it was a hold frame. Yeah, it had to be a still. It, it, frame. Just, it just handed it off. Now she's not blaming. Now it, but a second ago, it was a picture. Before that, it was a still. Oh. It was a freeze. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, you can see her eye moving. That. Like that yeah, I mean that that is just like a. But she committed. A like, it's, yeah, she's, 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 she is a, trying very hard not that, to blink. That's not easy to do. You'll try hard not to blink. Psycho <laughs> 2. No one will blink during the non-blinking scene. Psych. Nobody will be admitted after the blinking sequence. One of the <laughs> things about the book, by the way, was that they, uh, the uh, Brock named Norman Norman, his mom Norma, and then he would refer to the version of Norman that could talk to people as normal. Norm, oh. Norm, Norm. Mm. Yeah. I don't know how that plays into the book and if it's used in an interesting way, but that is a fact. You're welcome. Mm. I'm Teague. Mother, what have you done? What's uh, what's crazy is if, if you go to so that you know the Bates house, the Bates mansion, it's whatever tiny. it is, it's yeah. it's, it's tiny. Very small. Yeah, uh, obviously you know, gratuitous, judicious use of a wide-angle lens. 
But if you go there now, it's still on the Universal lot. It's, yeah. If you take the tour, it's part of the tour. And immediately behind it, immediately behind it, is the town from War of the Worlds where yeah. the 747 yeah, crashes. Yeah, it's the crash 747. Uh, so, yeah. Can anyway. you see the Psycho House in War of the Worlds? You probably, no, the camera never turns that direction. Uh, no, does it? Oh. It'd be like a funny thing. Like I can imagine Spielberg leaving that behind the set where it's like, yeah, you can see the top of there's it. There's a psycho house. Yeah. And there's, when I was there, I went there with Eddie just like six months ago. Yeah, or so. yeah, yeah. I was there's, uh, say, yeah. Say the there's thing. And, and mom is in the window. They're yeah, actually getting a mom dummy up in the window just to fuck with you. But, um, well, I'm sure it's it's Halloween, you know, Halloween at nights moment, at, sure. uh, at uh, Universal. God knows what they're doing with the psycho house. And all the kids are going, the what house? But, <laughs> well, you know, Vin, Vin it's Vaughn was in a movie in the, in the 90s. <laughs> Shower's still running. This is important to know. This people. is a drought, Norman. People, yeah, yeah. Norman, turn the water off. <laughs> Norman, there's a fly on my face. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, I ate it. Belloc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, it was funny. So I was. Wa- I was reading about the about Psycho after after rewatching it yesterday. And so there was some comment about like, oh, it the her her lover, her boyfriend, uh, at the beginning of the movie. It's a <laughs> it's actually a long distance relationship, and I guess this was a huge question of like, well, how are they in a relationship if they don't live in the same city? Like, how did how did that work? Uh, I just thought that was so funny. Like that didn't even occur to me yeah. as like a, as something to wonder about at this point. Yeah. But yeah, like no. 1960, yes. There, the easy. opportunities for long-distance relationships were much more limited, I suppose. Mm. You could have a long-distance relationship with someone who lived in England. You just wouldn't see them a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. But like how you would even begin one. I well, guess the would... conjecture was that they were on a cruise or something together. But That's right. But uh, well, just the idea is, that it was, this like, is, this it was is enough. This is 60s. This is Mad Men. You know, this is Jet Set. Mm-hmm. People, yeah. people did travel places and go places. Um it's just it's just an accelerating process, but it's not unheard of right. in the sixties. Complete lack of cuts on the body. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah that's true. Well, for, kind of for obvious reasons, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, this. Uh, but but I guess there's. It's like I guess the state of special effects makeup at this point is pretty. Not oh, when you look at it, well, well hands, again, that's that's yeah. obviously well again only syrup. because it didn't have to be because <laughs> you couldn't show anything graphic, right. right? So there was no reason to, you know, like having a good blood. Okay, picture. can we talk about this design of the faucet? Why it's, put it that close to the wall thing? So bad. Oh man, that have, just... you, have you ever done jury duty? No. Hey, you go down to the courthouses. The the sinks because the, the building is you know yeah. however old nineteen twenty or whatever. So the bathrooms are still basically that, and yeah, the faucets come understand. like a millimeter past Who the actual. Who thought edge. that was a good idea? Yeah. It's just that oh, drives me people crazy. didn't matter in the one that days. I don't understand is apparently in England they have two taps per sink like that, the, yeah. like yeah. as a rule, where there's a hot one and a cold one. Yeah, I don't know how that works. With, it's just like I want warm plumbing. water, but I want to keep my skin. <laughs> <laughs> You mix it. You, you, you mix you it mix in the sink. together. Yeah. So you use the basin. Like yeah. you have to stop it up and just. That seems yep. really inefficient. Yeah. yeah. Wow. England. It's not though. Get your because shit you you, you put in as much hot and or as much cold and when it's the right temperature you turn the water off. Unlike <laughs> here in America where we just leave it going when we have it perfect and we just keep it on going. So. True. I can see the argument. It's like a bath for your hands. It's also I mean a lot we of the, a lot of that is you know a lot of that is driven by history. It's like you know. 
Hey, we've invented the ability to put water into your home. Cool. Here's the pipe that brings that. Yeah. Two centuries later, we found a way to warm the water in your house. <laughs> we can't, we're not going to put in like a whole other, you know, new system. We're just going to add a second pipe for the warm part. <laughs> now, you'll have to like build an entire new country that doesn't even exist yet from scratch. If you want something, if you want, one if you want something crazy where the whole system is integrated at the same time, we're not going to retroactively retrofit our island just so you can have warm water. We've got other things to do. Like here comes Nazi Germany. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you go to a any sufficiently old hotel in Europe, where it's like the electrical system is always like on the outside of the walls. Because yeah. the yeah. there was built before electricity. <laughs> not, so what are you gonna do? Put them in the walls? They don't yeah. exist. There's yeah. no electricity. Yeah. Um, just like every old building in uh, in I was love. This is, you know, that quintessential thing is every building. Think of a think of a British block of of you know apartment buildings, Georgian era, Georgian or earlier. Um, you think of those parallel clay chimney pipes. Yeah. Because you know, everyone has a clay furnace, you know, a, a coal furnace in their room. Yeah. You know, well, those are all blocked up and have been for years, but every one of those buildings still has that chimney system still. Every single apartment has its own chimney and its own fireplace because otherwise you'd die from the cold. But um, Jim Chimney. That's Jim Chimney. so such Jim a part Jim of the architecture, Chimney. but the you know no one actually has the coal furnace anymore. Do you think that was actually, that was her or did they would they have used a doll there? When he was dump, carrying her? For the yeah. dumping yeah. in the background. I, I, that, I mean, that probably would have been a doll, but... I mean, I, I only ask just because, like, that looked kind of legitimately heavy. And, like... Could have been. Kind of, yeah. kind of, like... Let's hope it was. Unlike Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, where they accidentally, like, fold the body in half. Yes. <laughs> that's not how... In the wrong way. Oops. Like, that's not how it's supposed to go. Although, like, ah. on the other end, like, there is a funny moment where they drop it into a dumpster, but yeah. they miss the dumpster, so it just catches oh, on the yeah. side. Blam. Oh! <laughs> As opposed, oh! Like, they try to drop it from the roof into the dumpster, and it, it's, it, it's a rim shot. Poof! Oh. <laughs> yeah, just... I mean, they're dead, but still, shit. Yeah. Ow! <laughs> I had a thing I was doing, and uh, apropos of nothing, on uh, uh, Lava Lanchula, um, I had to do a thing where Nia Peoples, who is adorable and my age, for a woman my age, wow, she's in amazing shape, um, adorable woman, uh, where she's hiding under a blanket and one of the lava spiders is trying to like, is walking across the blanket, not knowing she's under there. So it's a suspense moment, very Hitchcockian, one might say. And so just to get the interactivity, I went in there with some sticks to be the, so the actual, you know, she's right. under this blanket um, and I would do these pokes. And apparently I got, um, she's just a shape under a blanket. Um, she told me jokingly, she wasn't mad afterward that I'd gotten a little more intimate than uh, that she would have preferred uh -huh. with my sticks. Uh, and I was like, I, I'm so sorry. I couldn't tell what lump of you was which under there. I, <laughs> I feel bad. But apparently I, uh, I apparently I got some. If anyone needs to know if I, via stick, I got a little something off of Nia people. So I got so that. So when someone says that going for when me. someone says something like, I wouldn't hit that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I actually would and have <laughs> hit Nia Peoples with a stick. Um, and apparently, you know, the stick had a great time, although I, I just didn't know it at the time. It didn't translate up the stick to me to, to yeah. register the moment I was having. But uh, Thanks, Obama. Yeah. Obama cares nonsense. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know what happened to the chat room, but they're gone. Yeah. We're still streaming. Oh, Hi, they guys. Gave, they gave up. Oh, well, they quit yeah, on us. Gave up on it. Bye, chat room. So meanwhile, no one will be seated during the horrifying cleaning the motel room sequence, which is still going on. <laughs> there is yeah, just a ton of shoe leather in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I, the, the most egregious part of it is early on, after she's stolen the money and she's starting to get away, yeah. and it's like the full-on score behind, just behind her driving. Yeah, and it's, like, it's a little I long. get it that it's supposed yeah. to be tense, that yeah. you're going for tension here, but there's long. not exactly a bomb under the table in this particular yeah. case. What if, what if Norman just stayed in the car? He put it in the pond, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, he just <laughs> drives it in the pond. The end. I just like the idea of... He, he is psycho. Yeah. Wow. He's more psycho than we realized. He is absolutely that's insane. Nuts. And now he's dead. And then you have the Night of the Hunter shot where he's just underwater and a fish goes by yeah. his face. And then we get Friday the 13th. Oh, that could actually, ooh, could actually work. So, yeah, the money, the whole MacGuffin, he just, he just grabbed the newspaper just, and threw it in there like, all right, nope. never knows. I'll bet you though that that car would sink like a rock. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> that thing, you know, it's not watertight. You know, when it used to rain in those cars, it would just rain into them. Yep. My dad see, uh, had an old '70s Datsun. Same thing happened. Did you ever see uh, footage of uh, those old of the old Volkswagen Beetles floating? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. You know, I, the, didn't, I didn't know that till recently. Led Zeppelin tried that. Yeah. They uh, there's a story in the like the manager wrote a book about all the crazy shit they did and. One day they tried it and they drove a beetle off of like not a like it not big enough to be a cliff, but like not, off a ledge. but not small enough to be like oh they dropped two feet and okay they sat there and sank in the water for like well they floated for a little while and they're like oh cool it worked and then it started to sink they're like should get out of the car now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this is bad <laughs> the uh, well the the punchline of what's up doc is uh, plays off of that joke and. Um and and then of course there's the famous National Lampoon National Lampoon ad, which is of a Volkswagen floating. It says Teddy Kennedy drove one of our cars. Oh. He'd be president today. That's holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> which they which they got some flack for. Yeah, uh, but, not surprisingly. Uh, but hey, you know, um, satire, man. Yeah. Cuts, the, uh, cuts in any direction it wants to. That's the, that's the rule. <laughs> there's a. Did you guys see there? Not a, just for it's not just for their assholes. It's for ours too. The, uh, there's a video, it's not Mythbusters, it's like a Japanese game show or something like that, that's showing you if water starts coming into your car and it's already over the roof so you can't open the door very easily, but you don't want to wait for it to equalize and drown you inside the car. You do want to, according to Mythbusters. Well, the easiest way to get out of the car, once you're underwater, you can't open the door until the pressure until is it's equal. flooded. Right. right. But if you want to get out before that, and it's like it's hard to open the door, you can take the headrest off the seat, Oh yeah. and that little stick that comes out of the bottom yeah. of the headrest... If you jam it into the bottom, like, crotch part of the windshield, like, or the window, where it's, like, at the very bottom by the wall, not, like, jamming it, like, tr- baseball batting it into the center of the window, but, like, try to jam that down into where the window connects to the bottom of the car, mm. and it'll just, pff, it just shatters the window. Like, oh, if you try to break it by hitting it yeah. like a ba- bat, it doesn't, the window it's, won't it's break. It's made to resist that, yes. Yeah. And Mythbusters covered that, too. It's, like, it's what you want, and that, that was that, there's that tool that they sell, yeah. which yeah. is that it's a little hammer, but it's got a point on it. It comes to a, a little metal point. Because glass will resist a broad blunt force, but it will shatter according to a very small focused yeah. pin force. So, so the one that the, the thing, if you want to shatter instantly, shatter anyone's window, uh, take one of the. It's a center punch. It's a machinist tool. It's a center punch. It's a it's a spring loaded metal pin yeah, yeah. that you push down, and once you push it past a certain point, it, it springs Pop. back, yeah. and it you know punches a little hole so you can start a drill point. That will blow, blast open any window at all, because it puts this tremendous amount of force into like a nail head of size. Yeah, yeah. 
and it'll just just push that up against anyone's window and it'll blow right out. So yeah, you can carry one of those with you or whatever. You um, can also use, I heard you can use a spark plug, but I've never eh, I've never probably seen against, that. Again, what you want is you want to focus a lot of yeah. energy into a very f- fine point. Like you could smack on it with a sledgehammer or a rock and you might not get anywhere as you have learned yourself yeah. uh, in practical experience. Yep. It's it's if you can focus that into a pinpoint that will shatter it. And then because it's safety glass, it will all shatter if it shatters. That's it's meant to do that. So Yeah. No, I had that experience in, in Memphis where I was trying to break into my own car and I like full on Babe Ruth, the Sultan of Swat, the Sultan <laughs> of Swatted my like this huge 15 pound pipe bar into the side of my window, just dead center in the window because that's, you know, it seemed like it'd be the place that'd be the easiest to break. And the, the, the thing that <laughs> happened was it went ding. <laughs> yeah. You're like Ripley with the chair on the yeah. window, like, yeah, exactly. like, like I scuffed the window permanently, but I, it didn't break. And it was a good, solid, like, I wouldn't do this with my cool lightsaber prop because I don't want to break my lightsaber prop kind of swing. Like, let's go all the way. Bam. And it just went off the... Because that's a fucking Ford Taurus for you, sir. You can't break into one of those if you have to. <laughs> no human has ever successfully broken it. Wish I had a headrest. Shit. Did you eventually break it open? No. Uh, before I could, the cops came over and threw me against <laughs> the back of my car and handcuffed me. And then later, fucked around with the Slim Jim for about 30 minutes before one of them was able to get into it. Yeah. But, you know. My car had that dent in the window until the day I got rid of it, though. Probably the day after, too. <laughs> no, the new guy got it. And it like, yeah, oh, that's a, and it magically went boink. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Anyway, so Martin Balsam is a, a fellow who is a... So, Arborgast? Yes, really. He's, uh, Martin Balsam is one of those character actors that uh, probably probably by... He's in, I'm sure he's in things you've seen, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, he was, his heyday was 50s, 60s, 70s. But uh, I just he's one of this is one of those guys, man. He's a that guy from the 60s and the 70s, which is that's a very that guy. Yeah, it's all, all these different little corners of the uh, back universal back. So nice. doesn't just all scream universal back. <laughs> yeah, uh, this door in the back lot, and that yeah. door in the back lot. Yeah, man. This looks. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a real location. <laughs> Not. Yeah. So, but th- see, this is the crazy because this is all literally on the back lot. Like, the the actual motel is still there, and as yeah. we talked about, the house is still there. So, like, why would you, why would you redo the front of the the motel on a stage somewhere when it's literally you know a hundred feet up the hill? I, I think again, I think but it must be lighting technology. was probably the yeah. correct answer. It had to be technology, lighting slash audio recording. Yeah. Um, Lighting especially, like, yeah, daylighting. It's like, oh, we got to haul, like, enough lights out there to balance the the sunlight. Yeah. That's why you see they always shoot the the, the, the night shots out there, the, you know, the backlit with the sky. Yeah. Because you can light those from 100 feet away. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's magic. It is the moon. Magic hour and you want a silhouette. Yeah, fuck, we can do that. That's no problem. What's funny is when, when this guy died at age 62, I think. Tony Perkins? Yeah. He looked the same as he looks right there. Yeah. Like, you would, have, you would have guessed that he was 10 or 15 years older. He just, that guy never got old looking. It's amazing. And he was just as good. Like, when he's acting in Psycho 2, I never saw a 3 or 4. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> well, uh, not yet. You've only started just, the series he, yesterday. So. He's just <laughs> as naturalistic and um, believable years and years later. And go him. What else did he do besides the Psycho franchise? He he done stuff before this. Yeah, you know he done he done some in the fifties. He was in the movies. Um, he pretty much was kind of always like, oh, it's the guy from Psycho. I mean, it was hard yeah, for him sure. to get anything else 
really going on. I mean, Ted Levine was trying to be someone else for 15 years before yeah. it finally started working. Before he basically just turned into somebody else. Okay, I'm old now. Can I, get it? Can I do something now? Yeah, okay, you're old and craggy. That's fine. The black hole, sir. That's right, black hole. Oh, okay. Yeah. Most recent credit is a TV movie called In the Deep Woods. Make it target. Let's see here. It's amazing that he's been been gone that long. He, he played Probably Javert in a TV version of Les Mis. Cool. Javert. Oh, Murder on the Orient Express. That's okay. right. He's in Catch that. Catch-22, sir. Catch-22. Oh, Chaplain he? Captain A.T. Tapman. Judge Roy Bean. Oh, okay. Do you know who that is? Not You're off the hand, Catch-22 no. guy. Okay. Not offhand, no. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know who the but Chaplain he was in, is. Uh, he was in movies. Though. He did a couple of like dramas, I know, that were acclaimed movie dramas before Psycho, either that or just after Psycho. Um, there's one about a baseball player that he was uh, known for. And, his first and, role was in 1953. He was born in like, so he, his first role was when he was 19. Yeah. He's, he was in it, sir. <laughs> he was in it, sir. He was in it, doing it. Yeah. But that's Anthony Perkins for you. In my younger days, he would get all mixed up in my brain with uh, Roddy McDowell. And I was like, oh, wait, he's the one who isn't the ape. Okay. The other one is the ape guy. That's right. was a huge admirer of Orson Welles and was even planning on writing a book about him. Sir. But aborted the project <laughs> in fear of upsetting Orson Welles. <laughs> Welles later said that he would have loved it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, the Andrew Garfield thing is, is pretty impressive now yeah. that you pointed it out. Yeah, it looks exactly like and it's him. Not just, he also looks like the guy who plays Her, played Hermie in the movie version of Summer of 42. But... Uh, but um, it's not just the look; it's the it's the sort of the the expressions are very the, similar. The like faltering kind of yeah, uh, <laughs> the little. Uh, <laughs> uh, and what's interesting now that I'm watching it a second time with the the method kind of thing at, at, on the top of my brain, it, it he's also like I mean Hitchcock is shooting him differently, or at least like the edit is. He's he's doing what method actors or what you know new style actors are. They're just like. They're just sitting there living in the space with the situation, you know, you can just hold the camera on them and watch them as they stand in the room and, and think about something or, or, you know, are just doing, you know, just being there. Uh, they're not like every moment the camera is on them, they're doing some action of from A to B to C of the scene. And like Hitchcock is, sh- you know, those there are shots in this edit of just, it's just Anthony Perkins, just, um, I'm just... I'm just looking. I'm Facial just, shoe leather. I'm yeah. just I'm just hanging out. Yeah. Like the the scene, you know, towards the beginning when they have uh lunch or dinner, you know, the first conversation he has with Janet Lee and like after she leaves, I mean, the camera actually like holds on him just like standing in the room by himself for a minute. Just kind of like, well, I'm affable or am I crazy? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you be the judge. I don't know. Well, assuming they're like this is just a this is interesting. This is a Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. His close yeah. up, his close up, his close up. And Balsam is Balsam, I believe, is another, you know, modern, more you know, actor studio y kind of guy. I think he came out of that world as well. So this is, you know, this is very unlike. This whole scene is very unlike 
standard Hollywood movie making, although it was already starting to become a thing. Hitchcock didn't wasn't the first to go, I'm going to put actual method actors in movies. It had been happening all in the 50s as well. Yeah. But the, especially for Hitchcock, because Hitchcock's whole style is very, the mannered, like, I don't believe you. I mean, that's what Hitchcock yeah. always had. This is, for Hitchcock, this is a real change. Faster and more intense. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so this, just the, I'm going to have two guys in close up having a lengthy conversation where they're playing cat and mouse with each other. So it's all about them. What they're saying and what they're not saying to each other is the whole point of that. So and and just let you know and have as opposed to you say this line and then you say that line and then you say that line loud and then you say that line louder, which is standard acting, you know, for the time. This until is, someone faints or shoots. Somebody. Yeah. Until I say stop doing that. You know, that was like there was some real acting going on because it's all about, you know, the little the little looks and the little yeah. the lip quiver. and Those, the, the, those little moments. Yeah, yeah. that's. That's really this is not a breakthrough for acting and it's not a breakthrough for even movie making. It's kind of a breakthrough for Hitchcock because I don't know yeah. if before this, you know, he was very much himself of the more of the what? come right up here, Mr. Friend. Let me show you my Mr. Bond. Well, you're not hiding anything from yes. me, are yes. you? Yes. Well, 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 no. Very arch, very British music hall awesome. kind of thing. Uh, what years were... Uh, streetcar and on the waterfront because those were 2005 the- and <laughs> six <laughs> late 50s i believe so uh yes they were yeah, yeah and so those, they were you know, those new york psycho, based yeah. you know strasburg yeah. based you know they, they were there the so style the, was those, there yeah those were the beginnings of oh there's this yeah. they're the this new group of people what are these new york people doing with the movies they're doing crazy they're black doing and white movies about stuff yeah not pe- people who aren't as pretty as we're used to yeah thinking and thinking and doing things that aren't as pretty as we're used to yeah, those. I mean, those two movies, at least as far as you know, Brando and Brando is kind of the the quintessential. Obviously, he's the most famous he's from the, that he's school. He's the poster boy, certainly. Yeah, poster boy for that that movement and that and that origin. Um, at least for him, those are the those are the movies that kind of catapulted that new thing into into the public consciousness. I wonder why this movie's in black and white. I think was it just co- was it to cover the Sykes and like the weirdo RP gags you wanted to do? Like why? And to it- be able to show blood. Um, because oh, red blood, you couldn't yeah. do. There you go. That's um, why. And mm. because I, I think, I think uh, because it's, I think it's pretty much. I would classify this as a very noirish kind of a movie. Yeah. So noir is certainly the the right style for it. Well, um, Abergast, he's the most noir character. Yeah, he's straight out of yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally is. Man. Let me or tell you, it's gonna work. See, yeah. here's, how, here's how it goes, pumpkin. <laughs> ah, yeah, a nosy little kitty cat, kitty cat. Yeah, nosy little pumpkin, aren't you? Yeah, you want to make a phone call? Let me make a phone call. You wait here. See, Stop yeah. the presses. Dateline Chicago. You and me in a nine millimeter. <laughs> <laughs> 25, 75, and three. Just say words with that sort of inflection. Everything sounds like that. The fighter, yeah. David O. Russell, see? <laughs> she? Coffee cup and five pictures on the wall. Doors locked. Won't ever open again. Maybe will. Got a beer? Middle of a movie? Getting kind of tired of it. Pop again. Is <laughs> <laughs> anything you say like that? It's always going to sound that way. Slow down, sweet cheeks. No, come on now. <laughs> I have some random phrases for you. <laughs> Couch Snor- potato. Snorkel. Albuquerque. Couch cushion. <laughs> no. Window purple elephant claws. <laughs> Alpha Bravo Charlie. Delta. <laughs> I go Foxtrot. Golf hotel. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, sweet cheeks. I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. Millions of peaches. <laughs> peaches for me. <laughs> <laughs> we sit under the sugar tree. <laughs> Mama just killed a man. <laughs> Put a gun on his head. So, Pulled so my no trigger, man. Now just he's dead. A man? Yeah. Put a gun on his head. Mama. Pull the trigger. Now he's dead. That's how it works. And life had just begun. We do it. That's now our, I've gone and thrown it all away. That's our Martin Balsam impression, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Mama. Ooh. 
<laughs> Ooh. Didn't mean to make you cry. See? Uh, anyway, so Martin Boss, yeah, he's just, he's just, he's that guy. He's that guy all the way. I think I'll go back to the motel first. Get killed. See? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've got twenty-five to well, nine he, on a three-five subway sandwich. He's still not as bad as the the guy who gives us the whole recap at the end of the movie. That's oh yeah, crazy. Mark, and that that guy's a method si- actor too. Simon Oakland. Yeah, like Simon he's Oakland. believable as shit. He's just why is he talking for ten minutes? Uh, yeah, like see. he's he's who are you and Simon, why are you telling Simon us Oakland? Whatever. See, because it, it I definitely saw it in this order. Simon Oakland to me when I see Simon Oakland in this movie or when I first saw him, especially I was like, wait, that Col- that's Kolchak's boss. Huh. The great 1970s horror show back when that was a rarity, Kolchak the Night Stalker. Simon Oakland was either the newspaper editor or the chief of police, I forget which, who was always like, you know, what are you talking about, Kolchak? There can't be vampires in this city. You know, like, I'm telling yeah. you, there are, chief. You know, it's like, he's that guy. <coughs> I want you to imagine your gun and your fangs. Yeah. Kolchak, are you telling me that there's werewolves? Well, get out of my office. You know, that's. That's Simon Oakland, and so and he just shows up in this movie at the end to be that guy, the explainer guy, that excruciating scene. Oh but, wow! On playing Norman Bates. There we go. In so there's, Psycho. There's. Here's a quote from Anthony Perkins: "Not many people know this, but I was in New York rehearsing for a play when the shower scene was filmed in Hollywood. That's right. He wasn't even there. It's rather strange to go through life being identified with this sequence, knowing that it was my double. Actually, the first time I saw Psycho and that shower scene was at the studio. I found it really scary. I was just as frightened as anyone else working on the picture, though." was one of the happiest filming experiences of my life. We had fun making it, never realizing the impact it would have. Yeah, it's yeah. already been an hour and 15 into this movie. Yeah, yeah we just got to wax it. The structure is just so odd. Yeah. Because yeah. like we're about to, we, we spent all this time now with Martin Balsam. Like, okay, Martin Balsam will get to the bottom of the, oh, God damn it. <laughs> it, it, it <laughs> the hell? It feels simultaneously really slow and really fast. It's like, it's weird. Yeah. yeah. It, well, I feel like well, the, movie, the scenes play fast, but yeah. it never goes For anywhere. a movie in which three right. things happen. Right, yeah. right. <clears throat> yeah, that's the difference between like movie pacing and scene pacing. Yeah. Like, the scenes are all really exciting or interesting, with the exception of like the face shoe leather shots. But then the whole movie like never really seems to go very far. But, and bear in mind, this is a thing where we're losing a whole lot without the, the dialogue and the music and the tension oh, yeah, and all that. Absolutely. Definitely. But you know, is what it is. Boom, 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 boom. I feel like if this movie popped up, you know, for the first time today, like with this basic kind of pacing and structure, I, I feel like we would probably take it to task for it. Yeah. It feels like a grindhouse yeah. movie. Would like, yeah. There's no structure to this at all. Yeah. Oddly <laughs> enough, it, it feels like the time passes in the same way that empire does. You know, it it, mm. it it has a really, like, the the thing that always strikes me about Empire whenever I watch it is that, it, like, I'm I'm three quarters done and I'm like, wait, what? Where was the <laughs> beginning and middle? Like, right. there's no, there's it's, no it's blend. Less, it's, it's definitely kinda, less, like, structure Yeah, there's, yeah. It, it does the exact same thing. Like, if I, if I gave you a line that Yoda says in Empire and told you to try to tell me where in the timeline of the right. movie, you'd be, like, 50-50 chance of being within 15 minutes of what it actually happens. Right. It's, it's a very oddly structured movie, but... Um, as yeah. opposed to it's like when in Star Wars does the guy oh, say these aren't right. the droids you're God, looking for the, the this, scene, this weird the, yeah. the shot when he falls down <laughs> this yeah. RP thing that it's, oh it's bad yeah. <laughs> he was going for a thing and it's it's kind of okay that it's stylized I think in 1960 it was cool <coughs> I don't know I mean Vertigo was four years before this I think here that we go and it's just like and we're done oh <laughs> uh, uh, hell and now he's just on a stair chair yeah yeah this nope. is so odd yeah, that was a weird choice. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Hitchcock didn't know he was making Psycho. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hitchcock was just like, here's the movie that I'm making now. And it's like, oh, the whole world loved that movie? Yeah. Okay. I was, I was just jacking off. Are you kidding me? I was trying yeah, exactly. all kinds of crazy shit. Baseball I glove. I didn't think they'd let me release it. There's a toilet in it, for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah, I put a toilet oh. in the picture. Toilets, they never listen. toilets, transvestites, blood. Yeah. Yeah. Get the picture, sweet cheeks. What did I do right? <laughs> Sorry. Toilets, transvestites, and blood. Oh, my. Surely he had to know that he was, you know. He wanted to break. He was, he wanted, he was pissing was, people off. The idea was, if at least according to the movies that you know Hitchcock is, you know, the movie is about the making of this, <laughs> about him. Like I want to do something that's gonna, you know, really shake people up and really, you know, the, and and Psycho was there was a bidding war for the book because the book was so crazy and outrageous and oh my god, who could possibly make a movie out of this scintillating material? So so there was a whole bidding war and it was a big deal. So the fact that Hitchcock is going to do Psycho, oh my lord, that's amazing! I mean, that was a, that was a thing. That's like if Jurassic Park was this huge yeah. book first and for like a while. Steven Spielberg and, is oh going to make a movie out of it. Who, oh, of course, who else could do that? Yeah. So <laughs> it was very much like that. What 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 are the differences between the book and the movie between Psycho? I have to say, I've never read the in book. The, in the book. Do it's actually know? mostly about a train and the conductor and the weird adventures he goes <laughs> on in Chechnya, which was still a country. Um, <laughs> Wait, are you being serious right no. now? <laughs> no. Oh, he's, right. he's being facetious, sweet cheeks. Chechnya, ah. <laughs> train care. Yeah, such a thing that was slightly less than true. Dateline Chechnya. Dateline Chechnya. Wise guy. Say things that are slightly less than true. A train station, a conductor. Yeah. A psycho. A guy giving the roundabout. A this, is, this is actually the Dead Marshes here. I don't know if you guys Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's just the actual Dead Marshes. Yeah. Uh, no, but I this do is recall. A lot in New I'll, Zealand. I'll pull it up on the wiki, but I do recall that there were some. Just for this one shot, which was not even a country then. They had movie. They just went. It was still a colony. New yeah. Zealand, no, New Zealand actually still was a, a subsea volcanic ridge right. that uh. had yet to erupt uh, into into the open air. And when it came out of the water, it's just Peter Jackson holding a scythe, just like coming yeah. out of the ocean, like yeah. soon. It was yeah. <laughs> it was weird. It was yeah, just just him. Dun, dun, da, da, da. Just him. And then <laughs> da, he was hold, he was holding da, 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 da. another little sign where he said, "And also Xena Warrior Princess." And he pointed. Yeah. I, I it's weird this the other day, but. I feel bad for anybody who lives in New Zealand and just just does not give a shit about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, I'm like because sure they just many. like another one of like Air New Zealand's airline safety videos oh, yeah, 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 of yeah. like it's this massively and, produced Lord of the Rings yeah. thing. And as a country, New Zealand is only eleven miles across, yeah. so it's not like you can get away from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> right. So it's uh, you know. It's like it's like if you lived in this apartment and didn't like the piano, it would be you know right. rough. It would be kind of difficult. Oh, I hate when somebody oh, plays I, piano. I, uh, I yeah, I know. I remember that from the last place I lived, and yeah, as if that was that was as if that was a real scenario. So one of the weird mm, things uh, about uh, the uh, strange uh, uh. construction or lack thereof, or you know, any construction is a construction, whether it's a valid one is the question. Um, is that yes, it has this weird three part thing. Where it's like, okay, so it's about it's about a bag of money. It's about Jason Lee, Jennifer Jennifer Jason, not Jennifer Jason Lee, but uh, Janet Lee, and uh, and a bag of money. And um, Jennifer Jason Lee, by the way, not related to Jamie Lee Curtis, even though you would think, but no. Um, and and okay, it's about that for an hour, and then it's not. Okay, boom, and mm-hmm. then it's about okay. The 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 suffering sister says. Mr. Mr. Hardboiled Detective, can you please find out what happened to my sister? And he goes, okay, I'll spend a good solid 15 minutes doing that and then die. Um, so kind of radically, the movie ultimately is about the sister solving the crime, <laughs> but she's a girl. Girls are for getting murdered, not for solving murders. What are you talking about? 
So that that there is, you know, kind of strange for the time that it was like, because you now you're set up like, well, this girl's fucking cannon fodder. Because <laughs> if Martin Balsam couldn't handle Crazy Mama, then this girl, how long is she going to last? You know, her sister didn't even make it. And her sister was much hotter than she was. <laughs> so, so you know, for Vera Miles to be the one who, you know, makes it all the way to the end and, and you know, gets the job done is kind of crazy radical in itself. Uh, talking about the differences between this and the movie, or uh, the book and the movie, one of the things is that um, they they changed Bates from being like a old fat guy, but also it used to be a thing that he would only become mother when he got like blackout drunk. Like yeah. this, this is like a weird associative identity disorder thing that's happening. Just like I'll be in the, a weird mood and get struck by becoming my mom real quick. In the book, it was a thing where he'd have to get like really, really drunk before that would happen. The other thing is that apparently the the girl that the, the the lead girl in the beginning who dies in the shower is only two of the 17 chapters in the book. Huh. Her story in the book is two chapters long. Huh. So yeah. it's actually like the intro. Does that include the stealing the money and running away and uh, God help us buying probably. the car? Uh, probably so. I can't tell. Uh, the other thing is that it says Hitchcock felt the original script dragged like hell and read like a television short horror story. <laughs> so this is yeah. actually the massively cut down version of it. Wow. Ah. Yeah. All right. And yeah. Differences, but whatever. I don't know if I'd actually, based on the fact that this movie is sort of interminable at times, uh, I don't even know if I'd be interested in reading the book if it's, if it's that much more fractured. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it plays yeah, totally different. Like one of the other things it was saying on that article was that uh, in the book, because it's a book, the book talks about the mother as if she's alive and it's a it's a holy shit moment when you find out she's been dead and Norman's been imagining her this entire time. Yeah. Like that's that's not inherent. Well the this, that was what I think because the movie the movie's playing it the same way. Having I know coming from the backwards perspective of being aware of Psycho as a thing before seeing Psycho as a as a piece of entertainment, I feel like I can't remember a time when I didn't know the ending when right. I didn't know the surprise ending. You know, right. that was a big thing about <clears throat> no one will reveal the surprise ending in the theater doors and no one will be admitted, you know, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. You know, that that campaign was was all this movie. Just to avoid people getting spoiled. Yeah. But like but, in the book, but, it's a thing where it's like it'll describe the things she's saying and what she looks like as she's saying them. And like yeah. and as the mother walked across the kitchen and put the pie in the oven was saying that yeah. thing where it's like, and then at the end of the book, it's, so, she yeah, was never so real. It's, it's in a book, yeah, it's like, you can literally get away with that. Talk more, about your unreliable narrator. Yeah. What, I'm th- what I'm questioning is like, I just, I wish, I can't separate from myself. Like, to me, it's because I, I'm pretty sure I knew the ending before I ever saw the ending. I'm wondering if there's like, is it possible that you could see this movie and not immediately go, well, of course, there's no mother. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, it seems like it seems so obvious. Uh, actually, but, yeah, because I remember but, when I saw this a year ago, I, if I, I'm sure that I had at some point known the end of Psycho, but since I'd never seen Psycho, like I didn't remember that that was the ending of that movie. It was just a movie that I'd never seen and the ending to a movie that I'd never seen and I forgot about it. So by the time I'm watching Psycho a year ago, I'm watching it for the first time, not knowing what the ending is going to be. And what's horrible is that in the middle of watching Psycho and I was like weird, <laughs> virginally unspoiled, about to be like the only person in the last 70 years <laughs> right. who's seen Psycho without getting spoiled on it. In the middle of it, uh, Jake Lloyd had borrowed the microphones for something and he brought them back and 
like he got there he's like hey i'm outside it's like all right cool oh, no. and i pause it and i go down and he comes up and carries the stuff and unloads it he's like oh psycho the mom did it or something like that <laughs> it's like <laughs> motherfucker yeah. how did i get this close how did i well, get this well, close you would have been thinking the mom did it that wouldn't be a spoiler but oh no i thought the mom did it i didn't think she was dead like I, the, he, no his point was the mom is dead and it's no. all norman but like that spoiler was would have been news to me right before he said it uh, I don't remember when in the movie that it happened. was only going to be news for the next like 15 seconds. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember when it happened. The it, skeleton twins. I was this close. I like, have to. I was this close to this book more to read. <laughs> I like that movie. Anyway, uh, I I don't remember how far into the movie I was when that moment happened. Uh, it could have been that I'd only like we just met Norman a second ago and he's only he's talking about taxidermy and shit. But in any case, I, I remember that when I was told that I was like, God damn it. So maybe it's possible to go through this movie without thinking about the mom thing I'm, I'm sure i mean that's clearly what they're trying to do it's just the fact that it's this you know it's culturally ubiquitous that most people yeah are you know have, have been spoiled on it at this point i'm sure i had been it's just that i should yeah, and i've never seen psycho so it it's just, like it just hadn't taken which is it, great it's like if you had told me the ending of a movie like i haven't seen fucking i don't know the french connection if you told me the ending of french connection a year from now i could watch the french connection and not remember what you told me about the end of it because i don't remember what the, i don't i would forget which movie you were telling me the ending to yeah oh that was this movie okay sort of thing <laughs> oh this is that movie where that happened yeah holy crap you guys huh this movie just like dropped steam yeah yeah now we're in a church what's going on it's it's not a well plotted movie. It's or well structured. Yeah. What do we got? It's, it's it's three like oh my god memorable scenes yeah, and then twenty minutes here. A bunch of other stuff. And ten yeah. of those and minutes. Ten are of that's guy. but ten of that's going to be Simon Oakland explaining what transvestitism is, which means serial killing. Executive transvestite. Know. Executive transvestitism. What is an executive transvestite exactly? Eddie Izzard. Best is kind. Executive. The best kind. <laughs> What? Male tomboy, rather. Yes, a male tomboy. Running, jumping, climbing trees, and putting on makeup when you're up there. <laughs> it's all referring to uh, an Eddie Ezzard. It's Eddie Ezzard from uh, 96 or so. Dressed to kill. That's dressed yeah. to kill. Yeah. Splashy, splashy. I like to think of myself as an executive transvestite. Mm. So. so, yeah. Um, but yeah, running, clumping, running, jumping, climbing trees. <laughs> so, Hitchcock, Hitchcock is a funny word. <laughs> it sounds dirty go if you say it right well i mean i have the thing that trey you were saying that like you don't particularly go in for much hitchcock and the one and yours your, your favorite ones are the weird ones where it's like no one says that one i have the same thing with kubrick I, well, north by northwest is pretty it's big, it's acclaimed. big. Yeah, it's, it's big i mean he made you know he made there's this sort of his 70s period which are the very dark psychological ones that psycho was kind of the beginning of that wave then there's the period dramas, and then there's the you know there's you know the the spy thrillers, and you know, he made a bunch of different kinds of movies. Um, I happen to like the the caper, the international caper movie, of which the best of that crop crop is uh, North by Northwest. I think, and I don't think I'm alone in saying that's the best of that of that sure, yeah. genre that he did. Mm-hmm. I have that same thing going on with with Kubrick because my favorite Kubrick movie is Lolita. And that's a movie that you forget it exists a lot when you're talking yeah. about Kubrick. Because you're always talking about like Clockwork Orange and a Full Metal Jacket and The Shining and shit. It's like, no, I like Lolita. Just, it's the, I don't know why. I don't remember exactly why. It was just, I think it was. Because you're a prevert. Yeah, nah, that might be a You're a transverse it was, that. It was less Kubricky. It was more of a, like a, an emotional storyline that it had a through line to it. I don't remember exactly why I liked it more, but it's, you know. And I like the Hitchcock that I've seen. I haven't seen many of them. I feel like there's a lot of... I've never seen Rope. 
I have seen Rope, Rope is, once. I thought we watched Rope at one point. Yeah. I don't think so. And I don't no. think I've seen Rear Window. I think I, I remember I have seeing not seen Rear, Rear Window. Window. And that's the one that it's like he's looking at the back of his apartment and it's just one big, like, huge set back there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, this, the set in Rear Window is amazing. It's, yeah. it's staggering. Um, but yeah, I love Rear Window. I think it, we, we still need to do it. I do mean days. to check it out. It's because you know, knowing what it is, it's like, all right, that one, I, you know, probably, probably that might be one of the, you know, the quintessential Hitchcock. When people think of Hitchcock, you know, that that's, I think that's what they're talking about is that, you know, because that's a concept that's very graspable. It's like, yeah, it's a guy who's in a wheelchair and can't get away, who sees a murder and then the murderer realizes he's been seen. Okay, I can see there's a movie there, and I can see how it it all takes place in one location, and it can be very suspenseful. I get it. So it sounds like I would see what Hitchcock did with that. I would be curious to see how that was handled. Sounds like you could say that Hitchcock's thing, <coughs> if he had one, was high concept at least. Often, yeah. Actually, I will say this: um, of my favorites of the mainstream ones, although it's also one of his well-known ones, I certainly enjoy uh, North by Northwest. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I really, really, really liked Lifeboat. Which is yes. a, which is an earlier one. I, I caught Lifeboat I, randomly on cable one day or something. Lifeboat is some serious. It's business. So good. I it's, like Lifeboat a lot. It's just. I mean, it's it's just a stage play. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very strong really material, yeah. and 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 that may have a lot to do with it. I mean, the the. Uh, once again, our old our old friend of the podcast, uh, uh, William Goldman, um, talks about, and I think I kind of share. I think I think as I recall, somewhere Goldman says. Totally, like, automatically in love with Hitchcock all the time uh, himself. Um, but he talks about how, like, Ernest, as Ernest Lehman, the often screenwriter, wrote North by Northwest and a number of others. Um, you know, Lehman would go, uh, like, say, what do you, you know, you got a script for me yet, you know, Ernie? And he'd go, well, I got this one or I got this idea. And they would talk about, they would talk in terms, according to, to Goldman, they would talk in terms of scenes. He'd go, oh, I got this idea for a scene where... A guy, and it was like one supposedly about how a car is being assembled on an assembly line, and by the, when it gets to the end of the assembly line, we watch the whole process, and we get to the end of the assembly line, there's a corpse in it. Oh, and and his guy was like, oh, yeah, I could do that, maybe something there, you know. It's like, or I get, or what about a scene in which blah 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 blah, blah. and uh, and. Yeah, yeah. And supposedly North by Northwest came from, I just, I have this idea for like, there's a guy in the middle of absolutely nowhere being chased by a crop dusting plane that turns out to have guns on it. And Hitchcock is like, oh, we have to do that. Let's totally do that. <laughs> that's weird. They're like, that's, they're, they're talking about the possible things you could do in your movie the way you talk about possible things you could do in your haunted house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, kind of like that. It's like, anyway, it's less of a Goldman, story. It's more like, oh, Goldman yeah. claims that that was kind of the dynamic. So, so again, with Hitchcock, I think we, we may well be in a situation just like we are with Tim Burton, just like we are with with uh, with Kubrick. Is like if the source material is strong, they're awesome. Then the story is going to be fine because the story is already fine. But the director himself is in it for the scene he wants to do, or the yeah. the, the yeah. effect he wants to achieve, sure. or or the or the design he gets to imprint on this thing. You know, as as Tim Burton famously said, right out loud, I wouldn't know a good script if it bit me in the ass. Yeah. Tim Burton does movies that just excite him that he would like I, I want to put that on film and whether it's a quote unquote good story he's not so concerned with or capable of, of even judging and admits that um, and that's why when you think of a Tim Burton film you usually think of the way it looked and not what it was mm -hmm. about um, unless it happened to be about something solid to begin with right uh, and and just that carried through there's so, only a couple with him like yeah 
So I think Lifeboat yeah. is so great because it's a stage play that was perfectly solid yeah. about people in a small location. And Hitchcock just said, oh, I would like to shoot that. And brought his skills to bear on telling that story so, and yeah, shooting it. It's not even so much that you like that Hitchcock movie. It's that you like that movie that Hitchcock directed. <laughs> that Hitchcock happened to be the one right. who directed. Um, so, you know. And so this one, which is like... I, I, I really like, you know, uh, Bob Zemeckis's Star Wars or something. Yeah, exactly. Or when he wins, when Bob Zemeckis made Jurassic Park. I mean, whatever. Like, it's like as much as you, know, you yeah, might... I like we, that. We know about Lucas's process. We know that Lucas's process... Probably wasn't well. I definitely want to do a scene where a guy is like giving his daughter an injection, <laughs> but doesn't know it's his daughter. And I just need to build a story that gets me to that scene. I don't think I don't think that was the process. <laughs> I don't think I think he was more of a story guy, Lucas. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Wouldn't it be hilarious if he was though? If that's how George Lucas yeah. operated, he finally right. confesses. I well, wanted to do a scene right. where a, a gorilla jumps into a garbage chute. I wanted to do I a scene. I could not figure out how to make it's, it's a movie. It's 1975. It's 1975. <laughs> I want to do a scene where a guy in a black suit folds his arms and looks at a big ball being built in the sky. <laughs> okay, first I was I'm going to have to make a thing with the desert. Planet. I realized I couldn't just shoot that right away. No, you have, you have to like build you have to up work to it. your way up right. to it. And then I we'll just, see I've we'll realize I do the second part first. <laughs> right. And then the first part second. But eventually like and then like and then like he gives up sort of halfway and like fuck it I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to finish this, but he picks up the mantle again 20 years later he's like all right i think i'm the only two or three movies away from that scene all right and then the whole time i'm gonna realize my dream Dad. yeah exactly lightsaber fight lights of clones still at night the dreams and come he finally gets to the end of revenge of the sith and fucking there's the shot where the guy with the suit crosses his arms and he looks at a ball being built out in the sky and george lucas is like i have done it and like he gets a glorious <laughs> flu and he <laughs> and then like that's like we all were like god damn it i'm glad it's over but so was george he was like i did it yeah you guys <laughs> i'm out in 1975, he had a dream, okay? <laughs> I mean... I finally realized it. I mean, you joke, but I think you could make that argument for George Lucas if you replace all of that crazy bullshit you said with, uh, I just want to make a World War II dogfight in space, and I just need to make the movie that gets me to that point. Yeah. I think you can make an argument that that's what Star Wars is. And then after Star Wars, he just made a World War II dogfight <laughs> that no one saw. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was... I thought you were getting ready to go with uh, with Red Tails. It's like, here's that's, what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. I want to do, yeah. do an actual uh, World War II dogfight, and yeah. I want to apologize to the, the dark-skinned people for uh, just putting that one black guy in my last movies. Yeah, exactly. Hey, <laughs> Have you guys seen Red Tails, by the way? Yeah. No. Yeah, wow. I like skipped over most of the talking scenes after the first half because I was like, oh, I get it. Never mind. But like the fucking dogfight scenes are glorious. Yeah, they're insane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. Like totally, it's worth a rental for those scenes. You should see it. Yeah. Just, I mean, really it's just really a fan of cool. of Red Tails. Just cut out the dogfight scenes. Yeah. yeah. And, and get rid of their, because their dialogue during the scenes is just Oh, yeah. Awful. I'm going to go left. Yeah. Okay, I've got you covered. And it's, it's like they're the, wearing the worst the, readings of, of the dialogue. They're they're imagine. wearing the oxygen masks, and you can still tell that the dubbing completely does not match what they're saying underneath the <laughs> yeah. oxygen mask. It's, like a, Godzilla, it's like a Godzilla movie. A lot of post tweaking going it's on in that awful. movie. <laughs> but the actual airplanes, the actual the CG sky, shots, oh, nice. those are yeah. awesome. Are great. The cartoon part is fantastic. Yeah. So hey, look, we're hey. we're, we're digging. We're pretty getting deep to here. The, we're getting there we to the gotta, third famous. We just gotta we just gotta look at every room in the house. No, um, this is kind of interesting to me. Is, is uh, yeah, this uh, fascinating to me? Is the idea of you know when it's it's when you look at you go to someone's house and you go, oh wow, the fixtures in here are kind of old. They look kind of seventies, you know, or they whatever, which is all you know, all of forty years ago now. Um, <coughs> 
1960, when you, the equivalent was going, to, was going to someone's house and going, wow, these fixtures are one from the 20s? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, very yes, Gatsby in here. Yes, they are. This, my apartment was built in the 1920s. My bathroom is from the 1920s. Right. Howard Hughes peed in my sink. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, he peed into a jar next yeah, to Yeah, and sink. then we poured it into the sink. Nice. But that was, it, sure. At least that was that party. Um, well, that's the thing that I, every now and then, and it doesn't happen often, but it doesn't not happen. I'll see a VW bug, like an old bug just driving around, and I'll be like, hey, a bug, until I go yeah. back and go, How old that's like is a 55, 60-year-old car just driving around okay, yeah. with, with zero of the prestige of being a classic car. It's just a fucking yeah. bug. But you're like, that's a really Wait, old that's car. That's an antique. That's a Stutz Bearcat just drove by me practically. Do you, do that you know car that? is older than my dad. Yeah. Just like it's driving around like my car is too. Do you know they just stopped making the the original Actually, VW they, they have been made in Mexico for quite some time. Exactly, yeah. yeah. They stopped making them here uh, or in yeah, Germany. But they for have a been continuing to make them. But in Mexico, so it's probably not. Them. It's probably not that old. Yeah. I, and if you actually, actually, I was coming. The home. world was a more magical place a moment ago. But when you see a Volkswagen, I tell you, I saw it in Yosemite, which is where you'd expect to see them. I saw a couple of you know old school camper vans with you know where the top pops up, yeah, you know, yeah. the Volkswagen camper van. That yeah. was pretty awesome. And was, I, I still get freaked out when I see a Volkswagen thing. There was oh, a, those are rare. There was a thing in Noho when we lived in Noho. There was an orange thing that we'd see from time to time. Uh, Someone tip it drove a thing, so that was like, wow, you actually own. So a you guys thing. are talking about a specific something called a thing. It's a Volkswagen, the Volkswagen it, thing. Yeah. Okay, that took me a second. Too. Yeah, it, it was like, Volkswagen's but, version of the Jeep. Okay, it was a modular. It looks like a Jeep. It looks like a, a basically looks like an that army might Jeep. actually. Oh. I, just, I just pulled up a picture of yeah, one, and that, that might even be the one. <laughs> actually, the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's that's the Volkswagen thing. Pretty ugly, and uh, it's it, you can take the doors off. You can take you, you can strip it down. You can do whatever. Whoa. It's it's their version. Oh, you can fly the thing to space. Fuck it. Yeah, it's their version of the Jeep. Wow. Yeah. That was before we decided to use curved pieces of metal. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> well that's why it makes it cheap is it doesn't even technology. have curves on it. Yeah, you don't have to have you can literally <laughs> assemble that whole car without a hammer. Yeah. You can get Which it. fun fact also makes it invisible to radar. That's true. Oh, that's <laughs> no, it's the opposite. It makes it highly visible yes, to radar. It does. Yeah. Yes. Everything in the planet can be tracked by the Nazis. <laughs> Which is ironic in a way. Uh, so anyway, was, now my, my this boy people are still just talking. We're still just, you know, blah blah In a flat two-shot. Yep. Yep. Your mom's a flat two-shot. $40,000. Yeah. Two guys. This is one of the great comedy things about it is Norman is going, I don't know anything about the money because he really doesn't. Right. <laughs> it's like, what is this guy talking about now? Jesus. As if I don't have enough troubles. This guy thinks I stole money from him. What kind of crazy shit is this? Yeah. Oh, good oh. hit. Drama. Hit him in his lower back, and that'll knock him out. I'm going to tap him with this. Get him, Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, shit. Norman Bates, Norman Bates, Norman Bates. Oh, my God, she's running down the hallway. She's running down the hallway. Don't go all the way down, of course. She's hiding in the stairs. She's hiding in the stairs. Hey, there's a pool table down here. He's going up the stairs. He's going up the stairs. He's going up the stairs. She's running up the stairs. She's looking for him up the stairs. <laughs> Yes, we're going to just. <laughs> that was my Bernard Herman imitation. Yeah, that's good. As the choir from Nightmare Before Christmas. That was like, that was a classic. Uh, going like, up the stairs. Going up the stairs. First season of Saturday Night Live. There was what, Lorraine. It was one of the short films. Lorraine Newman was going around town, going, and there was this horrifying Greek chorus of like, she doesn't know what's coming. She doesn't know what's coming. And she's like getting tenser and tenser, and it's all about. It. She goes up these flight of stairs. Like she's going up the stairs. Going up the stairs. Going up the stairs. Oh, 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 oh. And it finally, she opens up the door and opens the door to this apartment. And there's a wo the woman who is doing the singing is there doing what the singing. And Lorraine Newman goes, "Shut what, up!" What caused her to turn around? Yes, she just she, literally she, she tapped for her. No yeah, she yeah. tapped her in the shoulder. 
She's opening the door, but here comes Norman. He's in address. Oh my God, he's in address. The face he's making is so scary. Yeah, I was like, scary. And, and, he, and he like keeps it up too, like the weird wince that he just keeps. It's a hard thing to play, like, and then to shake off a wig and fight and. Yeah, this part is not so. Uh, it's, it's staging uh, is tricky method. on this one. Well, yeah, in the when you're watching it with the sound on, the thing that happens when that skull comes around is the loudest sound that's yeah. ever been recorded. Oh mother! They really should have played up the uh, the swinging light and made it a little bit more. Uh, yeah. so, you, so you can. Do you think up they the, could have uh, maybe a little bigger on that? All right. I feel like I remember that. That being a high, con- more high contrast. Yeah. The blacks being much blacker right, and right. the shadows being much more distinct. Well, it was dramatic. a different time. Yes. Uh, when I, whenever the time I did mock <laughs> so it. Here comes the scene where you're going, wait, what's happening right now? <laughs> ah, so yeah. It's like, and because it just, it's a wide shot and then straight into this, <laughs> you don't even really yes, realize it's where he just came upper from. Upper lip. I think that's Admiral. No, Ackbar. you know what he looks like though. He looks like when you see a picture of someone who's scuba diving and they have your mask on. <laughs> yeah, and it just—he <laughs> got that lip. Yeah, it's just one of those faces you just don't have anymore. All right, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start my wrap up now yeah. because let's, let's see if we can get it done by the time. This, I, I, this I bet all four of us can do our wrap up before, before Simon finishes. Oakland could get to the end of this speech. Uh, I like this movie a lot. It's a lot of fun to watch with the sound on. Um, it also benefits from you don't have to pay attention to it. Like it's this is a good podcast movie, and I don't mean it's a good movie for us to do on the podcast. It's a good movie for you to listen to and like glance at it occasionally while you're doing the dishes or something. Yeah, uh, it's a very watchable movie, just not all in one chunk. I guess I, I'm surprised because usually we we have found before movies where it's like I can't believe how well that holds up with no sound, and I can't believe how poorly that holds up with no sound. Uh, I wouldn't have guessed that Psycho would be one that. It's this boring, but I guess I wouldn't have remembered how many parts. It's like Pulp Fiction. Like you, th- you think you can yeah. watch all of Pulp Fiction in your head right now, but you're forgetting like an hour and a half. Yeah, of yeah. stuff that happens in Pulp Fiction. You're That's forgetting all- they go dancing. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit! Oh, they do go dancing. Bernard Herman really <laughs> yeah. ties this movie together. Boy, do for they. sure he does. Yeah, but I like it. I like watching uh, Anthony Perkins be terrifying. Oh yeah. Um, mostly the things that I, I like about this movie are right? just him. Actually, just and I think it's honestly just the 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 mix of the. I'm watching a movie from 60 years ago thing combined with such an honest, like little naturalistic performance that I'm like, wow, time is an imagination. It's ah, whatever. It's but, a flat circle. Yeah. Time <laughs> is a flat circle. Anyway, but I like this movie an awful lot. Uh, I, go, I, I don't know if I like this or Vertigo more, but those are the two that I've seen the most and I like both of them. And uh, it's, it's, it's a psycho. Brian? Yeah, I don't... Um I mean, I don't. I don't see myself coming back to this anytime soon. I, I won't be watching mm-hmm. it just for the sake of. Uh, I'm gonna go home and kill myself. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just, I think this is the last time. I like watching. Uh, yeah, it with my no, mom. I mean, I just. We'll I don't think I'll be. Mother. I think this will be the last time I watch any movie ever of any kind. Yes. Um, I'm, I think I'm, I'm just done. done. I'm, I'm done. No, I just you know it like you know like I said at the beginning, it's it it it's a great. Ex- I mean, it's a certainly an a, important piece of film history but i feel you know watching it it's like oh it's the vase behind the glass at the museum okay and i can see that this part and that part are you know important milestones and markers for but you'd rather watch Catherine zeta jones come try to steal the vase (laughs) than the vase itself sure uh so i other than other than the moments that i already have seen a million times and parodies and homages and the rest i don't think i'll be coming back to this again Mm. And definitely Rear Window, as I already said, is my is the one Hitchcock film that I do go to multiple times. And if not that, then probably North by Northwest. Alex, does yep. Psycho put a hitch in your cock? <laughs> wah, wah. Ugh. 
Well done. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, I after watching it now, um, doesn't hold up quite as well as I expected it to. Yeah, it wants um, it wants to be watching the sound. Yeah. Yes, I mean that that it is certainly helps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And to um, that point, does Bernard put a her in your man? <laughs> yes, or a man in your her. Yes. Mm. Um, yeah, he he really. <laughs> if you combine their last names, it's Hercock. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I amused myself that with went a that hitch, man. Uh. That was good. Thank you. Uh, that was good. Good word, good word play there. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's about all there's to say. It's like, eh, on second viewing, it's kind of kind of rough. He's a transvestite. Ah! Not, uh, exactly. <laughs> not exactly. He's an executive transvestite. <laughs> Trey? Well, I like that, as Brian was saying, shocking that, uh, yes, they're saying the word transvestite, but they're also giving you a full Wikipedia definition of what it means. Right. That's just true. Just in case. That's true. It's a transvestite. Now, what does that mean? Uh, well, it is means... Is that some fella from New York yeah. City? I think that's the thing that gets your car gears, isn't it? Yes, that's the... <laughs> now, some people have a manual transvestite, and some people have an automatic transvestite. Yeah. Norman is more of a manual transvestite. So it's, I like, you know, like I said, I, Psycho is one of those movies, uh, not quite like Easy Rider, but in the same zone of like, yeah. I respect it more for what it represents of its yeah. era than as a movie that I would actually recommend you watch for entertainment purposes. Yeah. Um, you can get what you should get and need to get and, and would like to get from Psycho from a best of clip retrospective. It's like, here's the three moments that Psycho is known for. And they're the three moments that I'm pretty sure I saw before I ever sat down to watch the entire movie. Um, I vaguely recall sort of like, well, if geez, if that's the highlights, I can't wait to see the rest of this goddamn thing. And the rest of the thing is people sitting and talking. I mean, the, the, the sexual tension scenes are nice. And the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, Cat and Mouse with Martin Balsam and uh, and uh, you know those are nice moments they're nice acting moments but you know the rest of the movie is a whole lot and not anything reproaching this the shower scene yeah um, or the uh, or any of those other scenes so so it's yeah it's you could overdub this with the thing in Ferris Bueller where it's like I got a car he got a computer <laughs> <laughs> screw him all right sorry go on the uh, yeah we have that, the, the the one sort of the visual effect coming up the little the little skull overlay just to. Just to drive that nail right in the comment. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, you can't, you can't, you know, erase your memory and see Psycho the way it would have been seen at the time. You just, you can't have that experience. None of us can. Um, I, the experience of seeing it at the time, I'm sure, was amazing. Just like you can't experience Star Wars the way it was, you know, that I can speak to and Psycho, I can't. Psycho was, you know, I wasn't. Wasn't around yet to, to experience Psycho as a phenomenon of its time. So, so it's but uh, you know you can you can see how you know it's like like as Brian said you know you're you're surprised that what how could they even do this in 1960? It's like well, just barely in a lot of ways. So, oh, I had not noticed that. Oh yeah, that's a very subtle little yeah it's the like, face peeking out and yeah this the, the car uh, coming out of the mud always kind of creeped me out. That was like, yeah. Kind of freaky. Well, and there it goes. And it's even exciting. even Saul Bass at the end go, "Hi, I'm Saul Bass. Drive safely." Tibby <laughs> <laughs> waitresses. Yes. This has been what are you doing? Movie. You can always find more episodes at friendsinyourhead.com. Go to the forum, involve yourself in the conversation. It's a great big community of people, and it's growing every single week. Uh, Twitter.com/slash/friendsinyourhead, Facebook friends in your head, and email us at friendsinyourhead at gmail.com. Buy our shirts. 
give us money there's a big paypal button not asking just saying michaelscottfund.com the website is uh, designed and maintained by holden hill and until next time my name is t christie brian finisher alex ruder jay stokes and this has been what are you doing movie thank you much for listening good night good night it's like that black guy dying in what is it Terminator 2 where he's got like the little hiccup bunny just like only with a violin alright friendsinyourhead.com <laughs>